Hello, Makai Knight in training. Welcome to the Garo Vanishing Line episode of the Dub Talk Podcast. Now, before we get to the sex and violence you are no doubt here for, we have some legal boilerplate to discuss. Warning. The Dub Talk Podcast may contain language that is not suitable for younger audiences. Listener discretion is of course advised. This episode contains spoilers up to episode 8 of Vanishing Line, and minor spoilers of the first season as well as Crimson Moon. If you are not caught up, might I suggest more training? And finally, opinions expressed are those of the individual participants and do not reflect Dub Talk as a whole. This is especially the case with this episode, as we have an in-depth discussion on a certain returning actor and a performance that could be seen as offensive to some. It is not our place to levy accusations against actor or production. We are merely calling out a potentially problematic performance as such. And with that, I must rest. Enjoy the show. We shall meet again. Hello and welcome to Dub Talk, a show where a bunch of nerds don the armor and talk about a recent dub or dub announcement. Tonight we dive deep into the streets of Dub Talk City to finally do something about that demon infestation. Garo! Garo! Thank you. Someone had to. It's been a long time coming. Thank you. Um, We're talking about the third anime incarnation of the acclaimed tokusatsu series, Garo, Vanishing Line. Because apparently I hear Crimson Moon is a dad show. That's it what is I hear. Crimson Moon? What? What is? I. <laughs> I think that was a bad guy in the Nesuverse. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it! When anyway, the, the stand's name is Dark Blue Moon. <laughs> You're not wrong. In any case, um, I am Roots of Justice, and tonight I am wearing the gold armor as your host. And joining me are a couple of Makai Alchemists to aid me in my quest to talk about this dub. Starting out, we have Lilac. You asshole, you stole my armor. Because I was Garo last time, you motherfucker. You stole it. <laughs> the melodrama continues. Dun, dun, dun. My plan is complete. <laughs> my plan uh, is complete. <laughs> I have achieved what I have wanted for so long. It's been a hundred years. <laughs> Uh, anyway, next up, we have somebody I've actually wanted to do an episode with for quite some time. Sneebs. Indeed. Sneebs, the silver Makai alchemist ready here to transmute your life into a dream. That is the wrong show when you use the word transmute. <laughs> wrong and, um, show. Actually, I think our last person, this is the first episode he's on that I've hosted. Uh, and that is Lack. Magic is everything. No, wait, this is the wrong show. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently, magic is everything. That's a clue for an episode coming out in a little bit. So we're talking about everything else but Garo tonight, guys. Sorry about that. (laughs) The show's so manly, we just can't help ourselves but explode with excitement. (laughs) 
So, from the Crunchyroll website, we have ourselves a little plot description. Highly advanced town, Russell City. While people enjoy its prosperity in the town, there is a huge conspiracy secretly going on which will shake the world. Sword, a man who notices this movement, determines to throw himself into battle and reveal the conspiracy. But only to find a clue. El Dorado. At that, at that time, Sword happens to meet a girl named Sophie, who has been searching for the meaning of El Dorado, a message left by her missing brother. These two, attracted by the word El Dorado, somehow feel invisible ties each other and start to act together. Their journey with mixed feelings now begins. Oh boy. So basically, <laughs> we've got horrors showing up and then everything just goes to hell. It's a demon killing so, show. So, As I described it on Twitter, I called it Vampire Hunter D meets Berserk meets, uh... Uh, what was the other one? It was Berserk, Vampire Hunter D, and Fist of the North Star. Yeah, that was it's, it. So it's, it's a just demon. a normal day with Garo, basically. Yeah. <laughs> demon cuddling more... with skull motorcycles. I, <laughs> skull talking no, no, motorcycles. No, 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 no. I, I like the progression of these fucking shows, these Garo <laughs> series. We have Medieval Times with Garo the Animation. We have, like, Edo-style Japan with Crimson Moon. And then it's modern day with fucking bike gangs of some shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's like badass motorbikes and what the hell? It's just so like a weird I, I heard. I love it. I heard like the most accurate description of Vanishing Line as the show was starting up on Twitter. Okay. That it basically feels like a remake of a '90s OVA that just never ended up happening. That is actually very accurate. Oh my god. <laughs> It is. Damn. Oh, so maybe so it takes good. place in the nineties. Who? Well, no. There's technology involved. Fuck. So we can pretend it's the spirit of the nineties that lives on in our hearts and on our screens. Yes. Yes, it does. I put. I posted on. I posted on Tumblr. Uh, I made a post where I put a picture of Sophie and I put a picture of Pidge from Voltron, and I said the I'm cute and looking for my brother club. Oh. <laughs> yes, that's awful, but awesome at the same time. Cool it isn't stuff. wrong. He is not wrong. And I have not even seen Voltron, and I know exactly what he's talking about. Alright, but while we're while we're sitting here gushing about, <clears throat> about the show and, oh my god, the animation. Dude. Again, like, each of these iterations of Garo has been so different. And not just in animation. I mean, can we, like talk soundtrack for like two seconds here oh yeah the soundtrack yeah. is badass yes it is amazing. Oh, yes. like all of them have been badass in their own way but this is amazing it matches so like, well you've got like the gregorian choir the first season yeah you've got like flamenco guitar in the second yeah. season which works so well with feudal japan for some reason yes and then you have and this then, it's like some metal like... techno rock kind of thing going on here. It's like, oh my god. Again, I, I I just love how MAP is just making each one of these series so distinct and different. And it's and it's mm -hmm. it's oh it's its own contained storyline basically. Mappa Mappa is unlike any other anime studio out yeah. right now. Honestly, honestly, yeah. They're so good. And I honestly, yeah, I've said this before, but I would love to see them do a Fist of the North Star anime. 
So. That'd be pretty awesome. Especially after watching Vanishing Line. So. I think right, Hardy would so, agree with you on that. Yeah. So, before we spend the entire time just gushing about random aspects of the show... Because we probably we should... would end up doing that for, like, five hours. Oh, yeah. Before going mm. anywhere. Probably start talking about the dub. Maybe. Maybe. All right. So, in relation to the uh, the ADR staff, did any of you guys happen to have predictions? Yes. In fact, yes. Not really, no. So... All right, Lilac, let's, let's hear your predictions. So here's the thing with Garo. So for those who would have seen the first episode of Garo we ever did covering Garo the Animation, people would recall that Caitlin Glass is the director here. Um, and lo and behold, she was also the dire- one of the many directors, oh boy, of um, Crimson Moon. I don't know how that happened. I don't know what's going on. So... Going into Vanishing Line, and in this season in particular, I wasn't 100% sure that she would end up as the lead director for the show, or the main director of the show, because there's a thing called Love Live Sunshine that's going on this season as well. So initially, what my thought was, was it pulling a new game situation. So someone else who has directed part of the Garo series is also Clifford Chapin. So what I had in mind was if Caitlin was busy with Love Life Sunshine, make Cliff the lead director and make Caitlin one of the secondary directors on the show itself. Because Cliff mm-hmm. has not only had experience like performing with Garo Crimson Moon because he was the lead in that, he has directed some episodes for it. So that was the thought I also ha- I had in my brain. But also as a secondary director, I had Tia Ballard because she was the assistant director for Garo the Animation. Mm-hmm. And then writer-wise, just to stay true to the source material, I had Miss Bonnie Clinkenbeard as my scriptwriter prediction. Oh. Okay. I have logic. I have logic in my... <laughs> you have flawless logic. Mm. I do. Well, maybe not flawless because there's stuff, but... <laughs> Oh, well, it's better than mine. You thought about it, and that's what I thought about it. Yes. I had some Uh, guesses. I'm sorry, go ahead, Seems. No. I had some guesses. I uh, thought this might put Colleen Clinkenbeard in the director's chair. That might be able to click. And for script, I thought this would be a Tatum job. It seemed modern and hip enough that something he would just love to monkey with. But... These were just off-the-cup calls. Nothing okay. serious. I didn't think like Lilac did. <laughs> I've also <laughs> seen the other series. So I don't know if you've seen the other series, though. On and off, but I didn't remember the cast. Okay, so yeah. Alright, and more or less, I had um, Caitlin Glass directing, because she would probably fight some people in order to stay on it. Let's be honest here, Caitlin would choke a bitch. <laughs> Kaylee would choke a motherfucker if she wasn't going to be on this show. She'd create a horror from her own desire to stick on, so... Yes. We she would. Hard to avoid that. She would. Um, I really didn't have anybody in mind as a secondary director. And um, as for scripts, it was kind of... 
I was kind of on the fence between Tatum and Patrick Seitz. Okay. They both, they've both done the show before, and yeah. I figured it would be one of the two. See, I for, see, I forgot that the two of them were the scripts for the first show. I forgot about that. Hmm. Which, you know, considering Garo... <laughs> <laughs> fucking Garo. The, dire- <laughs> the director did end up being Caitlin Glass, and the scriptwriter did end up being J. Michael Tatum. Which, you know, this season is insane. Because there's at least, like... Three, maybe four directors that are pulling double duty this season. Caitlin is one of them. Kyle Phillips is one of them, but we're not talking about that right now. Clifford Chapin is one of them. When do these people sleep? I'm concerned right now. Yeah, I mean, fu- funny's got to be careful, or they're gonna burn themselves out. Yeah, because they're mi- they're missing out. They're missing like some of the other directors that we know about, and some of the veteran directors too, which is very weird. So I think maybe the suspicion is they're working on home video products b- projects, but mm. that's still really, really weird. Mm. Uh, so Caitlin Glass has worked on both um, Garo the Animation and Crimson Moon. She also directed Soccer Quest, Noragami Aragoto, and as we mentioned before, both seasons of Love Live Sunshine. Uh, Tatum... In addition to writing scripts for the first season of Garo the Animation, was also responsible for Akka 13 Territory Inspection Department, Attack on Titan, Assassination Classroom, and basically the anime franchise at Danganronpa. Oh yeah, that happened. It's <laughs> a thing. It's. A <laughs> I heard the third stuff was okay. Danganronpa right? three is is good. It's good. Um, Future Arc is I thought it was weird that they decided to do an anime for the third one instead of a game, but, you know. I mean, whatever floats their boat, honestly. (laughs) Yeah. Gotta keep the mystery juice flowing. You're you're not wrong. Alright, um, so who would like to go first in talking about the ADR? Sure, I will. Oh! Okay. (laughs) I was gonna say, don't everybody jump up at once now. Well, Bueller. Bueller. <laughs> no. Uh, they got the intonation down right. This felt very American. Some of the casting choices they made were really interesting. Some less so. But the overall feel the series had was one of this is contemporary America here and now. And while there's some stuff in the later episodes, we will get to it did feel right and fitting for the sort of pulpy here and now, let's cut down a demon behind that McDonald's sort of adventure fun. <laughs> That's how I spend my spare time. Cut down demons behind McDonald's, Burger King's, KFC's. <laughs> it's a good way to spend life. Should I be concerned for your well-being right now, Sneeves? Don't be concerned. The silver alchemist never lies. Oh, Lord. So I I don't want to be the person that you call as your one phone call from jail, okay? I ain't bailing your ass out. He's all the way in Canada, though. We we really couldn't. Yeah, I still don't want to be his one phone call, though. Don't worry. Uh, Oh, gosh. Can we just move on to the next joke? This has killed itself horribly. (laughs) Anyway... 
Alright, who's next? I'll go next. Um, I think a, a big strength of this dub in particular is the, um, is the energy that a mm. lot of, a lot of it has, because as far as I'm concerned, this is a very fast-moving anime, and it's, it's really, like, it's really get-up-and-go in its, in its personality, and I think the dub really reflects that really well. I think that's one of the real strengths of it. Um, I, I think the fact that the characters all really have their own personalities, it, it helps. It helps it a lot, and um, and I think it, the fact that all these characters are so radically unique in their character design, mm -hmm. um, I think it, it's really great that the voices themselves are all really different. So, because what what am I? One of my more common complaints about modern dubs is the fact that the voices tend to bleed into one another, I feel like, sometimes. Okay. But I did not get that here. So. Yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying when that kind of happens sometimes, because sometimes people might sound the same. Or, yeah. or, one of those off chances where a person is voicing five fucking characters and they don't exactly distinguish <laughs> yeah. themselves very differently. I mean, that can happen, too. Um, are you Are you good? Yeah, I'm good. Okay, I'll jump into my thoughts then. So, I think like we were saying before, Caitlin would probably kill someone if she didn't get the show. <laughs> um, <laughs> and rightfully so, because she has so much passion for the franchise in and of itself. It's uh, amazing. So, I'm, I'm glad that she was able, she's able to handle um, taking on directing for this season. And... With her at the helm, it also means we have some very interesting casting choices, which we'll get into in a little while. But I don't necessarily... With the script, I don't necessarily have issues with it. It's, it's rather solid. But there are moments where you can tell that Tatum wrote this. <laughs> now, I only have seen up through episode three in the Japanese. But I watched up to episode 6 in the English today. I don't know if you guys have been watching the Japanese too. Is the word creepypasta used in the Japanese when describing the movie theater incident? No. Internet rumor. I think. It, yeah. There we go. You. There are moments where you... I must have missed that. I do not remember creepypasta that, episode. That's episode 6. That's why. Oh, you, okay. You All only right. got through part of episode 5 if I remember what you're saying right. Yeah. That's episode six. But, um, yeah, the words creepypasta were used. So, the script is really solid, but there are moments, and it's always a pet peeve of mine when modern terminology or memes or things like that are used. That's a pet peeve of mine. So, despite the script being solid, there are moments where you can tell that this is a script that Tatum wrote. Not bashing him 100%. It's just, unfortunately, there has been a previous track record where it's not the most phenomenal thing to write home about. I, I hate insulting Tatum's writing because I know he can do good things. I hate it. But, um, mm. but for the most part, he sees really true to the, to the material at hand here. He's having a lot. I can tell he's having a lot of fun writing this show. He also had a lot of fun being a baddie in, like, what, episode three? Um, yeah. yeah. That was great. But I like the script. There are just moments where it kind of... It's one of those things where it kind of takes me out of it a little bit when you start mm. throwing modern terminology in there. And it's a 
bit of a pet peeve of mine when that happens. But um, otherwise, that I'd say relatively small nitpick because that was few and far between moments where that I picked that up, picked up on it. I would say in terms of direction, directing and writing, I'd say it's very solid. And I, I, I do agree with Lack because this is because each of these iterations are very different. Because this version is very fast-paced and like it's a get-up-and-go kind of situation, I'm glad that they've been able to match that intensity and that energy so far. Side note, I just found out something that kind of made me chuckle. Uh-oh. Uh, Kyoko Yoshimura, the writer for Vanishing Line, she's, the, she's yeah. like the new writer. She might be a guy, I don't know. Uh, but, um, but apparently she was one of the... She wrote... 10 episodes of Sonic X. <laughs> that well is done. amazing. I like yeah, that. Like... Your fact of the day, everyone. The more you know. Yeah. Alright, so I'm actually going to have to disagree with you slightly, Lilac. Okay. Um, considering the character who uttered the word creepypasta was Soapy, who's sort of... 12 days. Like, she's probably early teens and sort of <clears throat> sort of an online denizen whom I I would imagine goes to like Reddit and all that. Yeah. It actually sounded like something a teenage redditor would say. Can't confirm. It this sounds uh, honestly fitting yeah, for you. even though I haven't seen it myself, I can kind of get what Tatum was doing. And, and while I do feel like that's a little too on the nose, I, I understand that he's trying to keep it relevant. I just wish Funimation would stop doing that sometimes. But Yeah, it, yeah. It's, I mean... I mean, it's also one of those things where it's like... Because uh, the other part of that my pet peeve with it is... Does it date the show? Yeah, I, I think that's you're the right. other. That's the other big problem when it comes to this pet peeve of mine. And... I like always I have playing to... Five Nights at Freddy's. I know, right? <laughs> it's it's. I always have to it's... bring this goddamn show up whenever I talk about this pet peeve as an example. Ultimate Otaku Teacher. Mm. While I respect what was done with the script, because God, because I, I love you, Clint Pickham. I love you, Clifford Chapin. Thank you for your services there. But I'm concerned that it's gonna date the show later on down the line. That's one of my fears when it comes to this kind of situation. It's like High School of the Dead, honestly. You know? I've never seen the dub of High School of the Dead, and I never want to, because I've who, heard who it's a cares? disaster. It's like, they make a I Like Turtles reference. It's like, wow. Like, <laughs> Stephen Foster, everyone. Yeah. How fortunate right. that isn't that way here. Because no, it thank seemed to God. fit God. Thank and God. And also... Also, I do have a little bit of an anecdote from uh, Caitlin Glass's production notes. Um, for episode seven, mm -hmm. there was a little five, ten second-ish clip where it, it's basically, oh yeah, sign up for this for this beta test and, you know, la-da-da-da-da. But she ended up recording it with five or six different actors who were able to speak different languages. There was... Um, there was somebody who spoke it in English. I think she got, like, Natalie Hoover to say it in Japanese. Uh, Alejandro Saab mm. in Spanish. Nice. Um, oh, God. Somebody said it in German, but I don't remember who. Uh, Probably did, Patrick Seitz. Does he actually no, speak no, no. German? Uh, 
I don't know. Damn. Okay. I haven't seen episode seven. But it. it oh, and um. Oh God. What's his name? The the YouTuber. Um, There's a few of them. Yeah, <laughs> Alondra Sub is yeah, one of them. Yeah. We're uh, we're one of those we're, YouTubers. You said it in... Scott, like Kaizeneko, oh, Lady Tor. No, no, no. Um. Uh, he said it in Korean, and um, oh, nice! And then uh, somebody else said it in Chinese. It, it's like the Howard same Wang line. Howard Wang is like a a YouTuber. <clears throat> yeah, it was the same line said in different languages, put one on top of the uh, of each other, and it was one of those really kind of cool attention to detail kind of things. Wow. Hmm. Okay. Again, I, have, I, I, I haven't I, seen past episode six. So Br- that's be Brittany Lauda is technically a YouTuber. She was. Mm. Yeah, um... Amberly Connors. It was a nice touch when they did this. Yeah, yeah. So, I I really have to respect her attention to detail. I kind of... It's more the show that I'm kind of impressed with a lot of the uh, cast reprisals. Yeah. Save for one that we will be getting to in the next section. (laughs) (laughs) And, um... As for the script writing, I really didn't... You know, Tatum is kind of well-known for the, um... I have the right to get trashed lines. Mm. For for those who who watched Attack on Titan Season 2, that was was a line randomly thrown out. But, um, I'm happy to say I really didn't hear very many of them. Yeah, like, in terms of Tatum scripts, this one's... Actually, I would say in the middle. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't taste the tatami of it. <laughs> tatami mm. is a flavor now. Oh man. Tatum. I mean, I mean, we we love him. He's he's a nice gentleman. But unfortunately, he's also be unfortunately scripts. He's a uh. walking dictionary. One thing. He is! <laughs> walking dictionaries are good, though! We like walking yeah. dictionaries. Aww. I well like received you, too. You're cool with us, Needs. <laughs> it's a perfectly cromulent feeling. No. <laughs> no, but yeah, in terms of Tatum scripts, considering like a lot of stuff he's written, I would say this is actually right in the middle. Yeah. So it's not right. it's not terrible, but it's not the best thing in the world. It's really, really solid. Like I'm still like his best so far this year was Akka, but that's just me. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Roots will agree with me. In any case, we need to move on to our first section of characters. Woohoo! <laughs> um, these are sort of the support characters for the Makai organization. Uh, they include the a worker in the restaurant that Sword sort of borrows the upstairs apartment from. And that is Mei Fon. <clears throat> uh, we also have the waitress of a diner who is also basically the handler of all the uh, all the Makai alchemists and knights. Chiaki. And then the owner of the the Chinese restaurant that <clears throat> that sword kind of borrows the, the the upstairs apartment for uh Fei Long. So um did anyone happen to have predictions for these three? I didn't get this far. Eh, kinda. 
I, if you want to say kinda, because my prediction is relevant to Fei Long in the kindest department. Uh, right. <laughs> Root says what I'm talking I about. I mean, yeah. Well, a couple of side notes, because Fei Long in particular, there's a line that Sword said in episode six that kind of caught my attention. And because Fei Long clearly knows. The sword is Garo. Right. Clearly. Mm-hmm. The line was something about asking him when he's going to come out of retirement. Yeah, it's it's sort of implied in episode 8 that he is, like, one of the better Makai alchemists. Okay. I wasn't sure what, he, what the story was with that. He may even be, like, sword's predecessor as Garo. That I don't my know. Guess. That's my guess, by the sounds of it. And then we... Chiaki would Chiaki in this situation be considered the watchdog? Yeah. It like Probably. I feel like that's the only only reason for her character really cuz we haven't really like considering the past two iterations of the show there's a specific mm-hmm. kind of character set for the watchdog organization and we haven't seen that happen here. I th- I'm thinking that Chiaki basically fills that role. I'm not, right. I'm not sure. They're usually like the little child. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is, this is very different than a little fucking child. No. But, but, it does um, but back to predictions. The only thing I had was Fei Long. Because um, mm. I didn't get that far in the Japanese, but before I even started the show, I did research into uh, Seiyu's reprising their roles in the series. So, Fei Long, uh, on the grounds that his Seiyu has appeared in the past two Garo iterations, I put Vic Mignogna here as Fei Long. Okay. But that's uh, all anyone I Anyone else? Anyone else have predictions? I didn't have a specific name. I thought they'd do a similar thing here. Just put a Funimation stable, you know. Right. Mignani here, or Caitlin Glass there, and just someone who's not going to be in a central role, but who's proven their chops. Just put them in here for a few lines. Oh, uh, and like you said, you didn't get quite this far, so... No, I didn't get to these characters, so... Okay, uh, not even Chiaki, the, the waitress of the diner? Uh, you should have gotten to oh. Chiaki! <laughs> yeah, no, okay. Yeah, I didn't know her name, sorry. Uh, but, yeah, I didn't really have a uh, prediction, I guess, if I had to, you know, gun to head, uh, Jamie Markey. Oh, okay. that would have been good. That would fit. Damn. Yeah, I had, um, I had Don Bennett as Chiaki. There wasn't a, um, there wasn't a character design for Maython when I did my predictions, so I couldn't do her. And then, you know, Fei Long... Considering character reprisals, I had Vic Mignogna. Hmm. What do we got, Roots? <laughs> Alright, so playing Mei Fawn, we have Afia Yu, who you would know as the young Leon Lewis in Gar the Animation. Uh, Victorique de. From Gosig, Victorique. Victorique de Blua. Okay, there we go. I, I can't read French to save my own life. You're welcome. Okay. Thank you very much. Um, Rita in Rage of Bahamut Genesis, and Akane Mizuno in Tsukigakure. 
Uh, Chiaki is Felicia Angeal, who you would know as uh, Manami Yokuda in Assassination Classroom. Uh, Aoi Asahina in the first and future arc of the third Danganronpa anime. Uh, Sheltier Bloodfallen in Overlord. And Shinoa Hiragi in Seraph of the End. As we alluded to before, Fei Long is played by Vic Mignogna, who you would know as Mendoza in Gar the Animation, Ashia Doma in Gar Crimson Moon, Ikaku Madarame in Bleach, and Kurz Weber in Full Metal Panic. Now, we're going to do this a little differently than we usually do. Uh-oh! Uh, for the time being, we're going to talk about Mayfon and Chiaki, okay. and then we're going to get to Fei Long. Because <laughs> Fei Long's going to be an interesting discussion, isn't a it? A long discussion, oh, if you yeah. will. Oh, boy. All of these are. Oh, boy. In, Let's in check. any case, would anyone like to begin? Uh, I'll go first. Um, I actually really liked Chiaki. <laughs> like, she was terrifying, honestly, in the show, and I think I really liked that. Uh, Felicia really, like, nailed her character, honestly. Um... And you Chiaki. haven't gotten to May Fawn, I don't think. No, I haven't. So mm-hmm. I'll just I'm just gonna talk about Chiaki, then I'll let you guys do your thing. Um <laughs> and it's yeah, no, I like Chiaki had like the perfect like condescending attitude through every episode <laughs> I saw her in, and it was just yes. exactly how the characters should have sounded to me. So yeah. Yeah, I can totally agree with that hundred percent on Chiaki. Um Felicia, like her portrayal of Chiaki Maybe not to the same extent. It reminds me of um, Alex in Gangsta a little mm. bit. I didn't get to hear yeah. much as Alex in the Gangsta dub, unfortunately. So the vo- the the vocal range she uses for Chiaki is actually really similar to Alex. But um, yeah, like she had she had she had a, the, the the snark to her, that condescending attitude, like get off your asses and get back to work. It was it was great, and then. Afia was adorable. Afia yeah. is adorable as Mayfon. I mean, mm. maybe maybe it's that twinge of an accent she kind of threw in there that makes it more adorable for her. <laughs> but um, yeah, I would say Afia was really cute as Mayfon. The sweet little cinnamon roll, too good and pure for this world. <laughs> Who can also punch you right in the soul? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I found Chiaki was fittingly exactly what the character I thought would sound like. She sounded like it. Those uh, this role in the Garo franchise in general. I'm extending this to the Toku shows as well. Has that perpetual condescension? What are you doing, mortals? Here consulting me? And oh well, she is in clearly a rest a restauranteur and waitress sort of role mm-hmm. uh, there's always that edge lurking in the background where she could totally crush you if she wanted to but that would be the thing that would bring a horror into this world and that's too much paperwork so of course I'll be cheery and bright you Very know fun. what you're making her sound like an office worker and it actually fits oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to do what... this this is too much paperwork this so fits it that's what these sort of roles in the Garo right. universe are. You They're are heavenly right. bureaucrats. Sick of this shit. Yep. But <laughs> they gotta keep the job up, so until you collect that celestial pension, 
keep ticking them off. They gotta keep As going until they retire. Let's go. <laughs> Only one more millennium. I know. Yeah. <laughs> That's what made the dad in the first Garo so great is he didn't give a shit. So need... exactly. <laughs> Herman, He's the Maverick. Herman Luis is the best fucking dad. I don't care what yeah. anyone says. Yeah. He's, he's amazing. He's Garo dad. And he can't. drinks from the mug with pride. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, and, no. And I, and unfortunately, I think that's where the stupid David Wald plays the dil- good dope jokes come from. Actually, <laughs> I think that's oh, where that oh started. Dear. Why did we tread upon? Oh, but, uh, Lord. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, and as for Mei Fang, as she said, she was adorable in this. Uh, again, it fit the joke of the spunky girl who's not going to take this crap. I, uh, I still found that. The way it was translated, the uh, awkward Chinese English was a little clunky, and I. Well, here it's oh, the script. Uh, I'll let you finish your thought, but. No. And I mean that's the script. That's not her fault. And I have a suspicion right. once we get to Vic Mignana, this is what was in the original Japanese script, and our Funimation folk just had to work with it as best as they can while honoring their agreement to fidelity. And again, she works here. It fits the part. It just so happens the part is a touch uncomfortable in places, but hey, it is what it is. Okay. Yeah. Um. So an interesting thing to note with um with Mayfon is um from the subtitles because I've actually I've actually seen episodes one through eight both sub and dub. Um, her subtitles are actually in broken English, mm-hmm. so I'm assuming. She's speaking huh. in broken Japanese. And I think that's the nature oh, of the script, that she's supposed to be cast that way. It's still an ugly sentiment, and it's something that now I think this speaks to Japanese politics right now with uh, Abe's view on foreign policy and some of the Japanese-Chinese relations at this moment in time. But yeah. it, again, given okay. the hand that Afia yeah. was dealt, no, I, she did I it agree nobly, on that. but still ugly script come on i want my punching demons in the face with a talking motorcycle i don't want your real world political ugliness come on that's a horror <laughs> yeah but 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 the the the, polit- the the hierarchy bureaucrat who just wants to fucking retire and doesn't want to do any more fucking paperwork for your dumbass mistakes chiaki <laughs> i mean yeah. yeah nature of the beast chiaki was good not and <laughs> I do really like both um, both actors in their respective roles, um, especially with uh, Mei Fong getting into episode eight and <laughs> trying to protect Sophie. Like Aww. she shows mo- she shows moments of badass that are just absolutely great. You're telling me she- you're telling me things I have to look forward to now. I'm excited. Oh, oh. I haven't watched past episode the, six, remember? That's just the tip of the iceberg. Ooh. But, um, I might have to go to. finish catching up afterwards. Do it. And, um, it's fun. You know, as much as the emphasis is put on Chiaki's interactions with Sword, I'm actually a lot more impressed with her interactions with Sophie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love her interactions you know, with Sophie. It's great. You know, while she's the, um, I'll see you for sexual harassment with, uh, with S.W.O.R.D. Yes. Like. <laughs> From episode <Hold> on. one. 
Call him out for his bullshit. Get out of the way, Foon. Um, like, in the beginning of the show, Sophie's trying to get in touch with Sword, but she can't go into the restaurant because she can't afford anything, and Chiaki's just kicking her out, and then... I think it was episode five. She just shows up with enough money for an orange juice. Yes. I think it was episode five. It was, it was either. Yeah. It was episode five. Five. It wasn't four. Four was something else. And you can just, you can just hear her (coughs) gritting behind her smiling teeth. Now get your orange juice and get the fuck out of my diner. (laughs) Oh, oh. Ochiaki. Yeah. So, unfortunately, we kind of have to move on to... Uh, the elephant in the room? Uh, the elephant in the room. The great white is, elephant. Which is... <laughs> God damn it! Which Did is, you want to uh, jump that one? Uh, I thought it would be my joke. Yeah, it's uh, it's Vic Mignogna as Fei Long. Oh, boy. Because, I mean... He does his old man voice, which yeah. is actually not that bad. But uh, he um he slurs his elves in uh, when he's I'm having flashbacks as well, to the Oron which... bloopers. Please bring the Karuran. <laughs> yeah, just oh channel James Hong on it's... Big Trouble in Little China Roids. Especially when that's really. As far as I understand, it's not really a Chinese thing to slur your R's and your V's. Mm. Or not, I'm sorry, not your R's, your L's. Mm-hmm. Okay. A- and your V's. That, that's more of a Japanese thing. Maybe he was shooting for Japanese? Uh, I Question mean, marks? Even, even still, you know, a, a, a white actor going for mm-hmm. that... Going for that accent with the with the slurred consonants. Yeah. That's that's, that's gonna some court some old Hollywood bullshit right yeah. there. Charlie Chan. Take on this when everyone else is done. Exactly. I was gonna bring up Charlie Chan and also Fu Manchu. <laughs> they could always clean it up for the yes. official release, though. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it's a lot of the reason I'm bringing it up yeah. now. My own take I, on this is similarly rooted in that ugh, it sounds awful, it sounds ugly. I think it's a combination of deadlines. Garo's a major moneymaker. They want to televise this bad boy as soon as possible because this could totally make it to Toonami or whatever live action TV. I wish it would make it to Toonami, but the other two shows didn't. No, but I I think they could sell it on this one. Yeah, this this could be the thing that does that. True. My my take on this though is that they had to get it out the door fast, and the choice they had to do there, given the availability of staff, is right. either whitewash this role by having a a white actor play this stereotype Chinese person or East Asian person, or you force an East Asian actor into doing that. And I I hate to be making excuses for a big company for making a racist gaffe, but. I think this is a time budget thing, and you know, maybe I'm wrong. I could be completely wrong on this. Those who know the inner th- secrets of Funimation, please t- say this in the comments. But for now, it seems like 
they made the best of the bad hand. What I couldn't do without, though, was more the... Uh, there were the three guys who were helping Sword cook in the kitchen. That was just completely unnecessary. You could have just had regular guy voices and not do the fake Chinese garbled accent thing. But uh, Vic tried to give the characters some dignity and worked as best as he could, given the constraints. That's all I'm going to cut for it. But I... that's my two cents. Yeah. I mean, Vic has done worse things. Uh, Let's be real. Well, like, if we could go <laughs> back for just a little bit, back to the um, corpse, uh, uh, the, uh, um, <laughs> dang it, I've forgotten the name already. Uh, the, the... The what? The, the, the dub talk we did on... Oran? No, not Oron. On the... <laughs> oh, oh, oh. We never did Oron! What did we do? What did no, we do? No, no, no. I thought, I thought you the were still talking about Empire of Corpses. That was the name I was thinking of. Thank you. Oh, there man. we go. Okay, now I see what and, you're going for. What do you, what do you, when what we do talked you about, um, that we, they had a white actor playing a deliberately Japanese character in a, in a movie that actually is prolific prominently filled with white characters yes so, it was uh fuck who was it was it, it was was it kent williams I, I think it might have been but i can't remember the character it might have been i know which I, I i don't remember the character either but i know who you're talking yeah, about and yeah and it's he didn't put on an accent at all and no. we kind of discussed the concept of well maybe they just need to find more asian actors who can fill that role and it, it really brings up the question of should there be accents or not? You know? So I mean mm -hmm. another another way to look at it too is when you're dubbing an anime, the English would be the technical native language for Japan in that situation. Mm -hmm. So in the case of Empire with Corpses, having no accent for this one character makes sense while everybody else in the movie had accents. I think you might be able to say the same could be said here for Garo, which means that Fei Long is not Japanese. Right. I mean, because let's face it, based on... I, the only way you can probably really tell where this is being set is when Sophie's in her as her avatar and in these chat room moments and her bubbles are I, Japanese I noticed kanji. that, which was weird. I thought that was really strange. Yeah. So, so, yeah. So... You can at least tell that it's probably taking place in Japan here. Um, so, again, if we put in the context that for anime, like, English equates to Japanese in this sense, accent makes sense coming in here. I, I can't remember who I just who I talked to with about or heard this from. I feel like it was somebody who was but part of the I thought I read on the synopsis the that it was taking place in an American city. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, it, it's probably like pseudo yeah. New York City, even though a New York City exists in this yeah, universe. Yeah, Blood Lock I mean, Battlefront is going on on the other side of the city, so, you know. I know. <laughs> Hell Salem's lot is over yeah. there. What else we got? Um, no, but in terms of Vic here, of course, the main reason why he is this role to begin with is the consistency of the Seiyuu matchup. Right. Right, I was gonna bring that up. That is the main reason why he's in this role in the first place. In terms of the issues with the accent, because I, 
I love nowadays when Vic's playing these older characters, and sometimes the mm-hmm. villains too. I mean, Vic's a great villain. Let's talk he about really is. yes. I mean, let's talk yeah. about Mendoza for like a hot second. Dear God, um, or when he played evil exactly. Kirk in Star Trek Continues, he was great in that. So. I've never seen Star Trek Continues, and after hearing him talk about it a couple years ago when he was um, at Boston Comic Con, I've been meaning to. God, I need to show my dad that too because he loves Star yeah. Trek. But anyway. Um, my thing is because again I've only snipped through episode 6 Faylong wasn't that prominent so I didn't get to hear Vic that much so I think there is room I think there's room for improvement but I also don't want to make a judgment call because I haven't seen enough of it yeah that's fair yeah that that's my concern though if it is one of those things that can be cleaned up for the home video release Similar, similar, probably to um, going to gangsta again. Brandon Potter as Nicholas Brown, and him trying to play a deaf character. If it's slightly similar to that regard, they can probably make some adjustments for home video release. But I don't want to put, I don't want to make too much judgment on it, only because I've seen very little of the of right. of Vic. Aside from that potential little thing there. I think the performance is fun. Like he's he's kind of this little bit of a snarky old man. It's great. Yeah, I I I love Vic Mignogna's old man voice. Yeah, he's Just great. Don't slur your continents. You buddy. can do an accent without That's, like. You, you don't I, have to. You don't have to pronounce you nuclear wanted... vessels. Both uh. <laughs> 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 well, of course. <laughs> If you want to have some fun with it, throw a little Jim Cummings in there. Mm. Like uh, like he did with um, Ashia Doma. Yeah. That's a good example there. Because um, I did watch a couple of, a few episodes of um, Crimson Moon because you suggested to do so mm-hmm. for a few reasons. And I think this was this character was one of them. Uh, Rick, I should say, is one of them. And his Doma voice in Crimson Moon, I was like... Yeah. Yeah, he's he's he plays a good old man. <laughs> like it's it's awesome. All right, so um, are are we ready to sure. move on? Yes, I hope so. I, I think I think we basically got everything that needed to get out out. I think so. All right, so next up we have um, the badass Mikey Alchemist gunman Luke. <laughs> My favorite character. <laughs> Of the yes. fucking show. Oh, God. <laughs> and, um, spoiler alert, his father, Christopher, who is, <gasps> secret, who is secretly the evil Dark Knight. Oh, thank you for spoiling what? that for me, you asshole. I only Sorry. know that he's the dad. That's the only thing I know. Snape killed Trinity with Rosebud. <laughs> and they're both Tyler Durden. Luke looks like a clamp character. Yes. Does. Maybe that's why I like. Yeah, him. that's a fair comparison. Maybe that's why I like him so much. <laughs> no, no, no. Here's the th- here's the best way I'm gonna put this. I know we all have been saying that Sword is a good boy, mm-hmm. but Luke is best boy. <laughs> I'm sorry, he's best boy. Sword is a good boy. Luke is best boy though. Sword is good boy in capital letters. <laughs> yes. He, he's Luke a gets good some good boy. Good boy. <laughs> oh my god! The fuck? 
Yeah. <laughs> the fucking suit, though. Oh. Yes. Oh, that, that was, was um. <laughs> that was like Toriko shit right there. Like. <laughs> that was Toriko shit. No, but Luke is best boy. I'm sorry. Yeah. He really no, is. He is. He gets some good development, too. He's a fucking badass. I know, yes, I've he does. I've seen well, the one episode, the first episode he's in, so I don't really know how much further he gets. Ep- he, co- he, comes, he comes back in episode six. Okay. And he does the clamp character arc of learning where his feelings really yeah. come from. And yeah, it's he, he, Yeah, he has a little... You, you hear a little... You get a little glimpse of, like, his, his backstory in that episode, too, so... Yeah. I, I'm just, like... Yeah, this dude's like, a motherfucking badass riding up here with a sniper rifle on a goddamn roof, <laughs> shooting down bitches. A sniper and the, rifle and the made of horrors. He's rolled and 63 mu- Widowmaker. And, and, and then the music oh. just accompanying that is just yeah. perfect. <laughs> I'm sorry, that made it all so badass. I'm like, this is my favorite fucking character. I'm done. <laughs> yeah. Alright, um... So did we have predictions for any of these two? Oh, absolutely. Yes. I, I only have predictions for Luke because I didn't get to Christopher and the Japanese. Mm-hmm. But I guess you can say I slightly have a prediction for... I guess well, yeah. I, I could um I, I could probably predict somebody. Like, like if I... Again, if I hadn't seen it already, I, I could give you what I thought. Might be. So. As would I. Should I go first? <laughs> Who's going first? Go okay. ahead. Uh, I was like, who's going uh, first? Well, I didn't meet Christopher, but uh, I did meet Luke. And I guess probably John Grimellion. Probably. So. Oh. Ooh. Okay. Because okay. I really liked him as Vampire Hunter D. And I could see that yeah. kind of carrying over to Luke. So. <laughs> okay, yeah, I could see that. Hmm. And, uh, did you have one for Luke as well? What? Christopher? Did you have a pick? Oh, Christopher. Oh, no, That's no, no. He hasn't met Christopher. Yeah. He can't really oh, okay. do that one. Yeah. No. He hasn't met Christopher yet because yeah. he Everybody hasn't else seen okay. That's all right. That's my bad. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I'm done. Two. I had two down here. Uh, speaking of Vic Mignogna, I thought he would have fit in well for Christopher. Get him lower his register. Do the oh. grouchy old man voice. Ooh. Uh, I keep it nicely. lower register. And I thought he would be perfect for... I it's actually get strong. weird who's I think he playing could. him. But... Mm-hmm. We'll get to yeah, that in a yeah. second. We'll yeah. No, no, no. But not as far as his Beelzebub voice in Rage of no. Bahamut, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not that but far. I, not he's got that range. It seemed like a good fit. Do, do it. it. I, I do wanted, it, do I wanted it, do to it. get that Gar- the original Garo and uh, Mario the Virgin Witch as like a triple fantasy like anime <gasps> thing. So. Dude, Ooh, that would be cool. That is the that best be... combination. You have to a, do yeah. it. Nice. Yeah. My other pick would have been for Luke was David Matranga. I would have thought, the moment I heard him in the Japanese, I thought, oh, Todoroki-kun. Todoroki-kun. He's got the uh, sort of reserved hurting bad boy thing going on that he could totally do that. Luke is very reserved, keeps his uh, himself garden with just a bit of an edge bubbling away underneath. But that was just my own guess. Okay, so, um, my prediction for Luke, I only had one, because, because I originally only saw, again, I only saw three episodes, so when I first saw Luke, I noticed the quiet, stoic kind of character, who's, I wouldn't say 
professional, more like dedicated to his work. Because one of the big things with Luke's character that, and it's so interesting when it comes to his interactions with Sophie, he doesn't give much of a shit about people. <laughs> mm-hmm. No. He will just like brush them aside because it's his duty to protect them, but not to interact with them. Which is an interesting contrast to Sword, in a sense. But because of the stoic character of Luke here, I also went similar with my hero, but instead of Dave Matronga, I actually had Chris Wakeham. Mm. Hmm. Okay. Because um, he did take over as a razor head for season two. Mm. So I thought that kind of personality and that would, that would fit. fit. That would that fit would for fit. Luke's character, and I also want to see Chris Waycamp in more things because he's amazing. Um, yeah. As for uh, Papa Christopher, <laughs> so there's the whole, there's the um, I have a kind of sort of prediction, and when I again when I say kind of sort of, it's the whole say you matching thing. Because uh, again, I did my research before starting the show, so. The if they wanted to, and if Caitlin was at the helm, Christopher probably would have ended up as Rico Fajardo. Mm. If if that were to happen, but right. <clears throat> All right, so I, I guess I'm the last one, aren't I? Yeah, you are. All right, so um, again. I, I say this in every episode I'm in. A lot of my predictions end up coming from the character designs, which is months before we even get trailers with actual voice clips from the Seiyu. See, I just watch the Japanese and go based off of that and what it sounds like. You just go all out. Like, let me see these character designs. I'm going to pick things. You, you, you. You you do yeah. you do the Megan method except you do this way in advance and not the last minute. <laughs> like sometimes even months before the, you know Funimation even announces them. Oh my god! Which is really really unfortunate with Altair because I've got like this huge cast list and it's probably not gonna happen. Oh lord. Um. In any case, uh, my prediction for Luke was Marcus Stimic. <gasps> Ooh, that would have been very interesting. Because, um, mainly because I kind of associate him with sort of detached from other people characters like Dragon from Ping Pong. Okay, yeah, you're right. And, um, it also, it also kind of fit the character design a bit. Okay. And I, I also had, um, Rico Fajardo for, for Christopher. Again, for the Seiyu matching. <laughs> so, for Luke, we actually have two actors. Oh, yeah, you're right. We have role. Babby version. We have Babby. We have Babby Luke. <laughs> um, adult Luke is played by David Matranga. I hate <laughs> you, Sneeve, so much. <laughs> it just seemed to line up. A little bit of a surprise, uh, Kid Luke is actually played by Erica Mendez. Thanks, Internet. 
Hey, <laughs> latches fucking rage quit over No, there. no, no. I'm just, I'm just saying that's the only way that this can happen now is the fact that funny is using the internet to get everybody. So. <laughs> well, I mean, stranger things have happened. Yeah. I mean, well, pr if we half, want to half talk of the about half of the dragon cry, you know, fair fairy tale dragon cry cast is from California. So no, you want to you want you want to talk about magical casts that should not exist? Let's talk about Gosick, where Erica Mendez and Lucian Dodd are in the fucking show. Thanks, Cliff. But yeah, Erica's. I was actually Erica's actually been up. doing a lot of Texas stuff lately. I know mm -hmm. that. Um, I know that because yeah. of like. I forget what it was, but I know that Kira Kira Buckland just recently did her first Texas dub, so I think she did like two. I like that the yeah I think she I think she showed up actually, and then um, like everybody from uh, Dragon Cry was done at like the Habitat, yeah. <laughs> which I I still I still get a, a chuckle that Todd Habercorn calls his home studio the Habitat. That that man uh, knows how to market those Haber. The Haber puns are strong with this man, but I, again, perhaps a I'm little too strong. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm still heartbroken in the empire. Of, I'm sorry. I'm still heartbroken in the empire of corpses talk that we did not think of Haber corpse. So, <laughs> fuck! <laughs> You're right. We never did. Damn it! Shit. All right, All right I gotta move this on a little bit. Um, and uh, yeah, Christopher was also Rico Fajardo. Mm. Say you match. So, um, David Matranga, you would have heard as Briarios in basically everything from the Appleseed franchise. Uh, he was Shoto Todoroki in My Hero Academia. Uh, Okami, a.k.a. Papa Wolf in Wolf Children. Oh, God. Uh, Papa Wolf. Oh, he did not deserve that. No. Fuck you guys. He didn't deserve that. Like, like, put into a trash bag and thrown away? Fuck you. I'm gonna cry in a corner now. Don't, don't, don't. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I'll, I'll stop. Um, <laughs> he was Bertolt Hoover in Attack on Titan. And Ushio Aotsuki in Ushio and Tora. Oh, nice. Uh, um, Erica Mendez, you would know as uh, Chiriko Surumi from Anohana, The Flower We Saw That Day. Let's see here. Sorry, I, I basically had notes every twelve-year-old protagonist of the last like five years. So, like I, <laughs> I wrote down rolls of note for everybody except I forgot her. She was also Avril Bradley in Gosick. Yeah. I was gonna bring up Avril Bradley. Um, Kenya and Erase, Sonia and Fairy Tale Dragon Cry. Um, I'm actually doing an episode on that. Uh, Gon Freese in Hunter Hunter. Ryoko Matoi and Kill a Kill. And we could probably wrap it up mm. with Akko Kagari from Little Witch Academia. Uh, Aladdin from Magi. Let's not forget. Also Aladdin yeah. from Magi. I was going to say. That's a lot of you've stuff. Got, you've got Gon and you've got Arabian Gon. So. <laughs> there you go. Oh, also Sir, Sailor yeah. Uranus. <laughs> yeah, and Diane and uh, Seven Deadly Sins. Anyway. That's enough Erica um, Mendez rolls. Let's talk about Rico, goddammit. <laughs> Right, um, you would hear him as Leon Luis in Gar the Animation, uh, Yasasuke in Garo Crimson Moon, Haruhiro in Grim Gar Ashes and Illusions, Daryun in Heroic Legend of Arslan, Daryun. and I'm not gonna, 
I'm not doing the Arizona one. Oh, I did the Daryunor one for you. It's good. We're good. We're good. My, gr- my girlfriend just texted me I going, nearly... Moggy, because she can hear me, so. <laughs> uh, like, I, I nearly blew my vocal cords out recording yeah. Black Clover. That was, that was funny. So. I, I got the audio for that. I'm excited and, uh, to hear it. <laughs> and uh, Mitsuro Hitoke in Nanbaka. <laughs> A.K.A. as Jamal loves putting it. Happy fucking New Year. I loved Nanbaka. <laughs> Nanbaka's yeah. amazing. I, I still need to get to Nanbaka. Do it. I feel really bad. I, I need to get. I need to get back it, to Nanbaka. It, but I actually, as a JoJo fan, I loved the hell out of it. So. What is wrong with you? Why aren't you watching Nanbaka? What is wrong with it you? It was. It's been on my list for like a year. Fix and, it. You know. Fix it. God damn it. I know. I know. God damn it. It's the. One of the best fucking shows I've ever seen. <laughs> I would go that. No, yeah, no, I wouldn't go that the, far. Maybe not one of the. I wouldn't go that far, but it's fucking hilarious. Oh, it's it's, it's great. Yeah. Stop Q shaming me. I will it's, fucking Q shame you all. I damn please. Go watch Nanbaka, oh, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. Don't be like Roots. Roots who has not seen Nanbaka. Like, Don't be like Lack who has not finished Nanbaka. <laughs> watch all of Nanbaka, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, I, I've worked. I have worked. Hey, and I just invented a term. I have been in projects. Oh, yay! Excuse you. I have been in projects with some of the people in Nanvaka. Okay? So, thank you. <laughs> I don't care if you've been in projects. You still haven't seen all the show. You are forever shamed. Shame. Shame. All right. All right. I love how... Lilac's the crazy yeah, one this episode. It's quite harkening to the one. She's not in charge. She goes off the rails. Yeah, when I'm not in charge, that's when things go nuts. <laughs> I love I can love just you be all. like, I don't have to be as organized or as take charge as I need to. I can just go balls to the wall crazy. And, although I love you all. contained, right. mostly. <clears throat> but we do need to move on to yes. opinions because we're like an hour in. Yeah, but we're almost done. We're almost done, so we're good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can we can have fun we with can, this. We can screw off yeah. a little bit. I mean, <laughs> you guys already had like okay. almost three-hour episodes. <laughs> This is true. This is not going to be a three-hour episode. <laughs> I, I, I've looked great. at some of the uploads, and I was like, you guys really let it go on that long? <laughs> so. Yeah. The problem, this... is, the problem usually is we have we, we have too many characters to fucking talk about. That's usually the main problem we run into. Yeah, yeah I was going to put, like, all the horrors in here. I was like, no. no. You know, did we really need to? No, no. I was like... Acknowledge some stuff. No, I told, I told you. I was like, dude... With the four of us, considering like discussions that'll probably happen, we're, I guess yeah, let's not. we're not going to talk about Jamaican guy to. then, are we? So, no, even we're though not. probably we not until the final yeah, thoughts. That's sad, but we'll talk about that, that was that was awesome yeah, when I heard that. But moving on, so yeah, but yeah, we we kind of need to get to our our impressions. Yeah, yeah. so uh, I like for one, first? I will go first. Okay. Uh, David Matraga did a very good job. I, uh, he, uh, particularly when you get to the flashback episode, that's episode six, right? Six the, or seven? Yeah. The movie theater one, yes. The movie theater one. Yeah. Um, he gets a great chance to, uh, even just with the breathing and, because he's not vocalizing very much as the present version of him. Uh, so you get to see a lot of the, uh, 
careful, carefully cued words, just an inhalation, exploration of a single word, Dad! But uh, he knocks it bang out, and I am really looking forward to when we get to the uh, latest episodes. Once those are dubbed, it's going to be fun hearing from him, because he's got it there, he's got that range, and seeing it finally come out is, it's going to be fun to see. Uh, and as for Christopher, uh, Rico, good job. You had to be gravelly and hardcore and all of the awfulness that we would come to expect from a character who is like that and lifts demons with his bare hands and must get stronger. Uh, good job, Rico. You gave us exactly what we needed. I'm done. Did you want me to go first next or... I went first last time, so uh, I guess... Fine, I'll yeah. go next. So the reason why I was saying I hate Sneeves for getting David Machanga right is because I'm kicking myself in the ass for not predicting David Machanga in the first place. <laughs> I'm like, this is an obvious casting. Why didn't I think of this? Because this is fucking perfect. ADV is golden, mm -hmm. boy. Oh, God, no. It's, it's interesting because, again, he's a really good fit because... A lot of the character types that David Machanga has played in the past are very stoic, quiet types. Todoroki, to an extent, can be seen as one of them, actually. So, it's a great fit in that regard, but again, we also have the qualities of him being very dedicated and, and distancing, distancing himself from these other people, which I get the sense it's more than just duty-bound. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I'm, yeah. I'm guessing it's more than just duty-bound, and that's why he's... Because I'm like... The first... When, when, when I realized that, when I was watching, like, episode two, when he first popped up, I'm like... And then when I got a little bit further in, I'm like, okay, Sophie's now going to be a b larger character in all this. And then th my brain was like, I wonder how Luke's going to take this. <laughs> mm. And I'm wondering how those interactions with between Luke and Sophie are going to be. And now it's coming to realization, I'm like, okay, there has to be more to this whole duty-bound, dedicated kind of situation. And clearly, by the response of Roots and Sneeves, there is, because they've seen episodes 7 and 8. I have not. I'm going to have to watch yeah. afterwards, aren't I? Um, I'm sorry. Clearly I'm sorry, there's... but you should. I know, I need to fix this. No, but clearly there's something else going on, and episode six was definitely like a starting indicator of that. So you and I could tell there's that vulnerability that Luke has, and I j again, Luke is best boy, and actually part of the reason why he's also best boy is because of David Matranga. I am happy yeah. to say that. I'm like Luke is best boy. David Matranga made him best boy. I am happy. The one thing I'm interested in, though, and this is going to go into my thoughts on Rico as Christopher. Because, again, haven't seen seven or eight. I have no idea how those interactions between the two are going to go. Hmm. Because, all things considered, Rico is younger than David. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's why I was surprised to see his name. So... Well, again, it worked. Again, with Enrico's case, the only reason, big reason, probably why he's there is the whole say you matching right. situation. That's the main reason why he's there. But I am curious because you fucking spoiled it for me now that he's an evil Makai Knight. Mm. 
Um, I am curious to hear how that sounds, but I'm very, I'm more curious to know how the interactions between Christopher will be with present day Luke, aka Dave. Okay, I need something cleared up for me about Gara real quick. Christopher is not like supposed to be like a, uh, a a reincarnation of Leon or something, right? No, right. Just... As far as I know, it, unless it says so in the show. Okay, so this isn't like a Legend no. of Zelda kind of thing. No, I mean, no. at the very least, it sounds like he is a Makai knight, but not necessarily of the same armor. Oh, yeah. No. Or it could be a different family line, yeah. Because yeah. in the first Garo series, there are multiple armors that, Makai, that a Makai knight could potentially inherit. Right. Mm-hmm. So. It's just, you're Makai knight, you can bench press demon steel swords with your bare hands eventually you'll inherit an armor Makai Nitro well, guys in the world really we liked to follow. about Gar the animation was the fact that it just was willing to completely separate itself from the Tokusatsu series so mm-hmm. yes right. made it very accessible yeah it's its yeah. own thing all three of these anime series make it separate from the Tokusatsu yeah. which is really interesting yeah but yeah and but separate from each other as well. yes but they should Yes, Experiment which is amazing. With this fun setting. That's that's why I w- when I was saying earlier at the beginning, like they have their own cohesive storyline, and it doesn't overlap into the other series. It's actually really great. But anyway, I digress. I the main thing I'm interested in when it comes to Rico because I like Rico. His the bits I saw him in episode six, I liked it a lot. He was this mature father figure that was very tough and also very dedicated so that makes sense of how Luke suddenly gets these character traits in him but Rico from what I saw was also playing off of Erica Mendez yeah I need to see how Rico plays off of present day Luke Dave Matranga here yeah that's the thing I need to see and how that's gonna go because the ages are switched look forward to episode 8 Oh, I'm excited. But yeah, I think from what I've seen of Christopher so far, Rico is fine. And I'm kicking my, I'm still kicking myself in the pants for not predicting David Matranga. Because David Matranga is fucking perfect as my best boy. So, mm. <laughs> as the best boy of this show. But yeah, it, I, I like it. It's great. Yeah. Next. I guess I'm next then. Okay. Um, yeah. Um... I like David a lot in the role. Um, I actually haven't heard a lot of David Matranga, just, I guess, because I just haven't seen a lot of anime that he's in. Um, really? Okay. Yeah. Um, but the, as far as, um, as far as it goes, yeah, I think the, the voice he chose worked perfectly for the type of character. Like I said before, uh, Luke struck me as a clamp, you know, kind of character, and, that's the kind of voice you expect with clan characters. So, I mean, it's funny you make that comparison because when you say it, it's like, damn, you're right. Yeah. Well, I don't. I may not know like, I may not know the modern stuff about anime, but I do know a lot about the older stuff. So, <laughs> um, it's good to have that knowledge. Yeah. So when I see a character in modern anime that reminds me of something, I'll bring it up. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, no, the the character worked perfectly well. Um. I think, for me, Matranga always sounds a, a little too young in some of the older roles he gets cast as, but I know that's it, that doesn't really work because of the fact that he's usually old, as old as the older characters he plays. 
But mm-hmm. um, with that in mind, it, it sounded totally fine for me, and it totally worked. So, yeah. Bang. And I didn't see Christopher, so. All right. Okay, so I guess that's... I guess it's up to me now. Yes. Um, I'm really sorry for spoiling the thing about Christopher, but it, I, I do have to bring some stuff up. Which is why I mentioned... <sighs> should I, should um, I just take off my headphones and you just tell me in the Skype chat when to come back? Because I don't want to be spoiled. Yeah, sure. All right. Sure, sure. I'm going to take works. my headphones off. Just type in the Skype chat when I'm good, okay? Okay. All right, good. Go ahead. Have at it. All right. So to start off with, sorry, somebody dropped something. Um. <clears throat> all right. Starting off, Luke. Uh, I really like David Matranga's cold, distant, but kind of stoic portrayal <laughs> of the character. <clears throat> he gets to do a lot of fun, cool shit, especially in episode eight. Yeah. Now we're talking. Where he's just allowed to be... He's allowed to show his, the full range of his anger. Feel all that passion and then take it out with a badass gunfight. Yeah. But um, I, I really, really want to talk about Christopher for a minute. Because mm. um, we talk about Seiyu matching a lot with the Garo franchise and um Christopher and Leon and Yasusuke were played by Daisuke Namakawa Daisuke Namakawa is known for a particular other character oh his name his name is Hisoka That howling in the background, that's Gigi suddenly perking <laughs> Hilliers up and saying, What? Has Bond really turning me on, Gun? <laughs> yeah, he's just this playful villain, and Daisuke Namakawa was absolutely able to channel into that for uh, for Christopher. Which is ad- which was a delight watching it in the subversion when everybody's just like just saying holy shit holy shit episode 8 get to that now and um so then you turn to Rico who's not really known for those kind of roles and uh, oh my god he freaking nailed it like I I know I, I, I know I say actors nail things a lot but I was legit surprised that Rico Fajardo's range could just <clears throat> could go not just with the kind of gentle but a little bit of a hard ass with Christopher in episode 6 and then he just goes off the rails in 7 and 8 and it's absolutely a delight <clears throat> especially when he's uh, he's juggling sword in the air <laughs> like a <clears throat> like a baton and he's just taunting him the entire time. Yes, yes, that's it's, delicious. It's good wonderful. It's a deli- I think Hardy said it's the most anime thing I've seen ever. Yeah. All right, and now I've got to. Uh, I got to get into the Skype chat and let Lilac know she can get back in. I'm safe. 
You're safe. I'm safe. I'm done. Sweet. It's okay. <laughs> I'm just gonna assume because I can't hear. I couldn't hear any of it that you no. like the performances. That's what I'm gonna assume. So until yeah. until I edit this and then realize, oh yeah, shit. You watch the next episodes. <laughs> Especially Christopher, but you're you're gonna want to watch the episodes. The second we're done. Fuck, okay. Completely <laughs> past the parts where we talked about Zarve eating Sophie, so it's good. <laughs> Zarve better not have eaten Sophie. I'm gonna riot. Because Zarve should not be doing Apparently, that. Apparently, Hisaka shows up. He's I don't, care, shit, I don't, care, I don't care about Sophie. Sophie's a pain in the ass. I mean, Zarve shouldn't be eating people. Come on. Alright, uh, actually, speaking of Zaruba. I, I was going to group some characters together, but we're actually doing really good on time. So I'm just oh, going to do I'm just going to do them as their own thing. And I'm going to start with Zaruba. Why not Zaruba. at this point? Who's, who's uh, Swords Motto Ring and Spiritual Advisor. <clears throat> and and Helper with his... With he's, his he's, he's D's left and hand. And also a That's badass right. motorcycle. He's a goddamn motorcycle in this iteration. It's amazing. <laughs> well, the, he, Zanobo was so the aspect stupid. that made me it think of it. Vampire Hunter D because I'm thinking of D's left hand. Yeah. So, you know. mm. Okay, I get what you're saying. But um, do we really need to go into predictions for him though? Honestly. No. <laughs> There's only one no. person it could be because he was Zaruba in the other two fucking iterations. Exactly. So no, we really yeah. don't. <laughs> I don't think we got to Zaruba yet in the first Garo. So I don't know. Mm. Oh. Oh, in the first one? Yeah, it takes a couple episodes. It takes a little bit, okay. yeah. But um, he's played by Barry Yandel. <clears throat> you would know him as Zaruba in the other two Garo anime. Also as William T. Spears and Black Butler. Uh, Yoki in Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Mr. Tubon Clay in One Piece. And the little red demon dude in Soul Eater's head in Soul Eater. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, good cast. Good call. So, um... <clears throat> the, uh, the Twin Peaks what, guy. Uh, yeah. What all do you have to say about Swords, uh... Swords ring white. Just as snarky as he always is. Well, it's great because he has like a, a kind of a meathead to play off of now, which he didn't really yeah. have in the previous two. So he doesn't really have that in the live action series either. No, because I mean, if They're we're so if we're talking about the anime, we have we've had Lan Luis, a Final Fantasy character. Let's face, well. Yes, but he's also emo's, emo as fucking Yeah, hell. that's what I mean. He's a Final um, Fantasy character. <laughs> yes. And then there's um, Cliff's fucking character in Crimson Moon. I can't remember his damn name right now. No one can remember uh, Crimson Raiko. Moon. Raiko, thank you. Raiko. With a lot of memories is, of that show. Who is full of energy. He has a lot of energy and a lot of spunk to him. And then you have Sword, who's basically a goddamn meathead. He's guts if he enjoys uh, life. Uh, yeah, Zaruba yeah. is snarky, and I love it. It's, yeah, I mean, it's it's like Batman and Alfred. It's kind of like, you know. He's the Alfred, yeah. yeah. Zaruba's yeah. the Alfred pulpy in this situation. Pulpy, pulpy roots. It's, it's Jarvis and Tony Stark, you know, it's all that kind of thing. So. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's it's great. Like some of his snarky moments. Like I think some of my favorite moments where he's 
they're they're basically like in the diner, and whenever basic Zadaba's basically calling Sword out for either being crazy or dumb, or both, or both, because <laughs> that's happened too. It, it's really great. And then the biggest badass moment that I've seen from Zadaba is his, is him being the one saving Sophie. Yes. From that <laughs> church tower. Instead of sword. That was just, I'm like, oh my god, Zadaba is actually doing things. Because that's a thing that didn't happen in the other two Garo series. He was just on somebody's finger. And now he's a badass motorcycle and saving people. I'm like, damn, I'm sold. Let's go. <laughs> Cobra and Lady Armor. Yeah. Like, that's another one. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. But yeah, Barry is still, still so much fun as Zadaba. It's just this time, considering who he's playing off of, he has like the Stark is just yeah. ever more present, and it's amazing. Dave the Barbarian and that sword he wore on the back. <laughs> God damn it! I remember Dave the Barbarian. <laughs> I'm just okay. Just so it's not Stormbringer and Elric. <laughs> anyway, Steve, what were you saying? Uh, yeah, I was just shrugging and saying, no one remembers the really good talking sword fantasies with Michael Moorcock. Oh, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> no, uh, this is the guy you would expect to be in this role. He's done uh, Zarba in the previous incarnations. It would make sense to cast him here, too. And he is a lot of fun with this because this character in this iteration is allowed to have a hell of a lot more fun mm. as a talking skull motorcycle. Which really, in our hearts, isn't what we want to be. So, uh, yeah. No arguments here. Good job. Yeah. Uh, I didn't say mine yet, did I? Okay. No. Yeah, no, well, like... Like I said, I, I told... No, you were kind of talking with me a little yeah. bit, but yeah. <laughs> like, like I said before, I got, I got you know, D's left hand... It could be his right hand, but I'm going to say left hand. Uh, D's left hand, uh, you know, vibes from this. Uh, except, in this case, D is not... You know, he's not stoic. He's he's a womanizer. He's... You know, so, there's a lot Drunk. more to play off of that, you know? It's almost like it's kind of reversed, in a way, because D is the stoic one... Mm -hmm. And D's right, uh, left hand is more kind of, hey, how you doing? It's nice to meet you. And in this case, it's, it's almost reversed, except except uh, um, Zaraba is is more sarcastic, you know, proper English gentleman kind of thing mm -hmm. going on there. So it's, it's kind of mm. a Stephen Fry right. kind of thing. That that. So. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I can see what yeah. you're saying. So he is kind of like he is kind of like the gentleman kind of role, but it's like very sarcastic. Yeah. I get what you're saying. It, it's, I it's, want Stephen yeah, Fry it's, as it's my demon slayer. It's that thing when Alfred is sick of Bruce's shit, you know. So yeah, really, yeah. it is. <laughs> but again, Bruce is in this case he's he's a meat he's almost a meathead. I don't want to say meathead because meathead's kind of mean because I like sword, but, but sword oh yeah sword is kind of he is he thinks with his little head. Yeah. He is stupid. So. Sword is sword is a let's face it, sword's a fucking meathead, yeah. but he is also a good boy. Yeah, exactly. Yes. The two He's are a good fucking boy. But yeah, that's that's what I have to say about Zadaba. So. Okay. Um. So I I could gush about 
Barry Endel Zaruba all day, but I did want to start with a little bit of a nitpick. Uh-oh. It's more the script writing than anything. Okay. Um, because a, a few times I, I feel as if Zaruba just gets a hair too mean. Yeah, mm. I can see that. Like, uh, like in, per- in particular at the end of episode one where he's just like, yeah, I, I don't like women writing on me because I, I get the smell of Harlot's ma- uh, makeup. You know, Harlot's perfume that, that all is, over my skin. That is a Tatum line for you right there. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Another moment flinch. where you can tell it's a Tatum script. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I, I get what you're saying, but considering considering the personality that Zaruba has, and probably the oh, fact yeah. that Sword has had many women ride on his bike before. <laughs> I mean, Sword probably smells like it's women like, who, himself. You know, so... Yeah, who... Why wouldn't Zaruba be mad about it, you know? But, um... I I made a joke in the, the, the first Garo episode we did for Dub Talk. Yeah. Involving Zaruba. Where I described that I kind of hoped he would sound like, um... Oh, God. Let, <laughs> let's see who here watches classic cartoons. The Great Kazoo oh, yeah. from Yeah, Lincoln, okay. So. So. I forgot you said that! So, so, I forgot you said that. You know, so the, Seth MacFarlane? Oh, you, you really wanted, screwed you up? Stewie Griffin to be Zara? Great Kazoo, what do I do? <laughs> you really screwed this up now, didn't you, dum-dum? No! <laughs> you screwed this up now, didn't you, dum-dum? Yeah. There we go! There it is! Yes! <laughs> that's actually perfect, and yeah, it... That's actually kind Bringing of Bringing more women the, onto the my bike, aren't you, so? Oh, great. Oh, bless you. Bless Too casual you. sexism here. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of this episode, Luck. I love you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Anyway. Thank you, I'm, I'm really glad that was... Because <clears throat> it was also kind of a part of the uh, the original series mm-hmm. in Crimson Moon. But now he gets an actual Fred Flintstone to bounce. That's very true. That is very <laughs> true. true. That that was the other one that I was missing was Fred Flintstone and the Great Gazoo. So. <laughs> but and like Zorba's Fred was as much like a horn dog as Sword delight. is. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. No, really. I mean, if you watch the old Flintstones, and, uh, Fred was such a horn dog. He really is. Yeah. But it's just a magnificent performance. I'm I'm really glad that Caitlin Glass got Barry Endel back to play him, and I'm glad he actually gets somebody who playing jokes off of the the kind of character that you would really like to play jokes off of. Yeah, mm. yeah. They, they make a good duo. Absolutely. They really do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Okay, so moving on, we have the uh, the next Makai alchemist who <clears throat> who helps sort out on his quest every once in a while. <laughs> this is sort of the gentlewoman thief, uh, Gina. Oh, and I know Gina. exactly why you picked yours, Neebs. So. Yep, you know exactly yep. why. I are we allowed to just go off now about your guesses? Yeah, yeah, if you guys want to mention your predictions, yeah. go right on ahead. I thought Michelle Ruff from this, and it's a bit of an odd thing, given that she doesn't always show up in these sorts of shows. I think, she, did she move that to California? Or am I mixing no. this up? She is in California, Yeah, she's yes. Cal- yeah, yeah. she's Bangzoo. Given that we're doing so, so... Yeah. 
given how we have so much stuff connected through the magic of the internet, it seemed like a perfect thing to cast her for for the simple reason she has always been Fujiko yeah. Mine for as long as I can remember, and this yeah. character is Fujiko Mine, Demon Hunter. Except McCoy and Total Christina Viewer. But, um, no, but I, I totally agree with you, Sneebs. I guess if we're gonna do that, why don't we throw Christina V as my prediction on there? Uh, so, because, um, yeah, that's basically what Gina is. She's Fujiko Mine. So, it's like, uh, but, yeah. So, that's my thought. <laughs> good yeah. call. Anyone that's else? That's actually a really good prediction. And you too, Sneebs. Um... I actually had two predictions for Gina. I did not go the the obvious Fujiko Mine route, but thinking along a similar lines, Gina came off to me as this mature, seductive woman who knows what she wants, who's going to get what she wants, and she does not give a shit. So, I had two. My second choice is actually J.B. Markey for this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because I think I can see her pulling it off, but my first choice was Stephanie Young. Ah, yeah. Ooh. Ooh. That's a good choice. I was like, because if anyone was capable of pulling something like this character off, it's Stephanie Young. Mm -hmm. From the whole Dallas talent pool. It's it's Stephanie yep. Young. Actually, um, something I forgot to mention, Sneebs, uh, Michelle Ruff has done stuff for Funimation anyway. She uh, she actually played Fujiko Mine mm -hmm. in the woman called Fujiko Mine. Woman so Fujiko there you Mine. go. Yeah. Yep. And she had and, and we can't also count her out for broadcast dubs either yeah. because um, Yuki. she did come in for Yuki yeah. Nagato. Yeah. I thought there was some bouncing back and forth between locations with her, but yeah, that's just me shrugging and guessing. I'm trusting my feelings, man. <laughs> Now that Bleach is over, she's That's got... That's why I'm a Makai Alchemist. Now that Bleach is over, <laughs> she's got time, so... Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, now there's Sailor Moon, yeah. so... But, um, my prediction was, um, actually Felicia on Geo. Ooh. Mm. Ooh. You, did you think Alex from Gangsta? I thought Alex. Yeah! Okay, I can see that. you know... I can see it. She's been... She's been doing, like, teenage girls all year. I figured she needed, like... Man, I want to get gangsta Something more adult and mature. Get yeah, it's a... It's a good show that just kind of stops. Yeah. Well, I actually, um... This is a side note, but since we're in this area... I would like to see Gangsta be redone as, like, a, a series of movies. Because I almost feel like that would work better. So... Yeah, that'd be cool. Or maybe someone picks it up and they do a second yeah. season of it. Maybe the, maybe <laughs> the company uh, that just finished Genocide, you know, or whatever that movie was. Genocide of yeah. Oregon, yeah. Rest in peace, Manglobe. <laughs> Rip Manglobe. Pour one out. <laughs> Pour one out for Manglobe. Oh, man. Oh. Anyway. anyway. Yeah, um... Gina is actually played by Trina Nishimura. Makes sense. Who you would know as Mikasa Ackerman from Attack on Titan. Oh! Yeah. Mari Illustrious Makinami from Rebuild of Evangelion. Lon Fawn in Fullmetal Alchemist Brotherhood. Kyokajiro in My Hero Academia. And Karisu Makisei in Steinsgate. 
Hmm. All right, so who would like to start us off? I found that this role was really well fitting for her. I found Trisha give that uh, or Trina gave that uh, seductive edge that one would expect. And in later episodes where she's interacting with Sophie, there's a little bit of a tender element that uh, comes through there. There's a lot of subtlety in that performance in episode five that shows this character could go places. She did a good, well cast, well acted. I approve. Let's uh, let's move on to the next person. Oh, okay. You you meant... Who want, who's gonna go next? All right. I'll, I'll talk about. I'll talk about Gina next. So, um, Trina Nishimura did a great job. I hardly ever see her in roles like this, so this was kind of cool. Uh, as you were saying, uh, as you were saying, Lilac, it's like you would expect someone like Stephanie Young to be in this. Maybe Rachel Robinson. Um, I don't. Yeah, like, but to hear Trina, who typically plays very sweet characters, to hear her do this was really, really fun. And Gina is a character we don't get a lot. I mean, we're getting more often the, you know, the seductress kind of character now more than we were for a while. But it's it's fun to see this kind of character come back. And it's fun to see a lot of different uh, actresses be able to play these types of characters. And Trina gets a chance to do this. And it works. It really It works really well. So... Am I did this? Am I did the center in this? Please tell me I'm not the, the center in this conversation right now. <laughs> what do you mean? Do you, you say that like it's a bad thing. Ugh, um. So, I know Lack was saying that it's cool because Trina. We never see Trina these kinds of roles. I'm in camp odd because we never oh. see Trina in these kinds of roles. Because, yeah, you're right. Actually, I kind of agree about that. Because, again, I was expecting the more, more, um, I guess alto would be the proper term here. Not baritone. Um, more lower registered female actress who I know can pull off these mature role, the mature character. Seeing Trina do that, it's very odd because I've never seen her do that before. <laughs> And I know I wrote a note in there. Yeah, normally I don't really associate the mature and sexy character with Trina. In any mm. shape or form. But I, I, I believe she can pull it off. It's just going to take some time for me. Because initially when I was introduced to her in episode 3 and I was watching Trina's performance, I was rather hesitant on it. But it grew a bit stronger, I think, when she started to interact with Sophie a bit more. Yeah. When she started to become a mentor, maternal kind of figure towards Sophie and giving her a reality check. Like, this is what we do. If you are throwing yourself into this world, you have to be prepared for this. Like, it was those moments with her interactions with Sophie that I felt a little bit stronger for Trina. Mm. It's just that it was very iffy starting out when we were first introduced to G to Gina. So I'm still hesitant on it, but it is growing on me. Probably because I'm, again, I'm not used to hearing Trina as the mature, sexy character 
that is not Mikasa, because Mikasa is not sexy sounding in the slightest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's going to be very interesting for me to kind of grow into it a bit more as I'm watching this character. But I am interested to see how Trina progresses with this performance and this character type. So it'll be very, I, I think it'll be interesting. It's just going to take some time for me to really get used to because it's a completely different character type yeah. I've, ever, I've never really associated Trina with before. Yeah. Um, seems fair. Okay. Yeah, that, that's a reasonable assessment. Hmm. And I mean, I'm going to be honest here. When the cast list came out, I, I think she was in the initial cast announcement. No, I don't think and she I, was. Or it was it was relatively quick in the process, and I'm just looking at it like, what? Really? And I mean, as it's gone on, especially with um, episode five, it's, it's grown on me a little bit. But it, you're right, it does feel just a little bit wonky. Yeah. I just think and, uh, I just think it's wonky because it's a character type we've never seen Trina voice before. Yeah, and I mean I'm I'm sure she has at some point. It's probably just a very obscure thing in Funimation's catalog. <clears throat> but yeah, it, it does come off as a little strange. So I, I can definitely see where you're going with that. Yeah. Like I don't wanna knock her performance because I think it's a solid performance it's just taking time for me to get used to yeah that's the thing and you know every once in a while that kind of thing happens in a dub yeah and especially for a voice actress for a character type you've never really heard them voice before yeah honestly like I mean ex example it took me like three or four episodes for me to get used to Emily Neves as Umaru mm-hmm mm. Because, I mean, in the episodes Hardy played in the hotel room at A-Fest, I was really not a fan. And then it just kind of randomly clicked. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hello? I'm, I'm here. I'm still here. Okay. I'm just, okay, I, was just, just, I was just chatting in, sorry, the, in the chat on Twitter. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Sorry. We're absorbing your gracious story. <laughs> I don't know if it's a gracious story, but... I, I guess in the in the too long didn't read since it, it'll probably take me a little time yeah i think it's still gonna take me a little bit of time too but it's growing on me um especially her interactions with sophie i, I yeah. can I, I can definitely see where this is going it's just still gonna take a little bit of time for me to get there right so i i I, you know, I can't fully jump on board with it yet but i feel like i will yeah and and you know speaking of sophie Sophie! Uh, let us segue onto her. Oh, Sophie. Mm. Sophie, Sophie, Sophie. Sort of, the, sort of the spunky little orphan who's trying to find information on her older brother. Who ends up teaming up with S.W.O.R.D. and does stuff. Runs <laughs> does and screams and hangs out at a diner. You know what I kind of hope and wish for what could happen to Sophie? Mm. Hmm. She gets trained to become a Makina alchemist or something? Yeah, okay. Good, good. I'm not the only that one having cool. that. That's gonna happen. Yeah. That has to happen, right? Like, we all predicted this. Please, can it happen? Show, can we have Sophie as a Makai alchemist? That'd be amazing. Or, or, you know, buck that bullshit rule that, you know, women can't be Makai knights. You Fuck know you right. what? Fucking right. Make her the first female Makai knight. Let's go, Show. Do it. 
It's a show where you can punch demons on the face with your motorcycle made of metal skulls. Women can pick up a fucking sword and kill demons just like anyone else I because mean, they're fucking superheroes. I mean, if we're going logic sense, though, she it, at most she'd probably be a Makai alchemist, but it'd be fucking yeah. amazing if she could become a Makai knight, yeah. though. Let's face it, guys. Ugh. She takes on Sword's diet and then starts takes working on the punching Sword's bag. diet. <laughs> you know, does does a little CrossFit here and there. Sophie's you know? gonna get so swole. It's not even funny. <laughs> oh, she just God. hits oh, a punching crap. bag. Oh crap! Now the image is in my head. <laughs> I can't stop laughing. She, she's gonna make she's gonna make Sword look small in comparison. Oh my god! <laughs> yes. Oh god. Okay. All right. Okay. Do we have so guesses? Yeah. Well, I, yes. yeah, well, I bust a gut. Let's let's okay. get to the prediction. I have All right. Yes. May I may I take a first stab? <laughs> Go ahead. I. Keeping with the theme of we can use the power of the internet to bring all the actors of the West and the South together, I put down Erica Mendez. I thought uh, Erica does kid characters. This is a kid character. This is a. This is someone who is a feminine, feminine sort of higher register vo voice that uh, would have a broad and great range that covers a lot of different emotional beats. Erica's season, sure, throw her in this one. Yeah, that's I my, can see that. That's my two cents. She ended up being in the dub anyway, so there you go. Yeah. I mean, it's not much of a stretch anymore, yeah. so... Welcome to the future. We have the technology. Uh, no. I had two predictions for Sophie. Both of them, I guess you could say, are very similar. Um, but they have played the spunky, precocious characters before. Um, my first choice was actually Jeannie Tirado. And, okay. and then I also have, as my second choice, Jill Harris. Oh... Yeah, that, yeah, those both would have worked. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I, I didn't really have any predictions. Um, if this was like 15 years ago, I would have said Laura Bailey. Um, but yeah. You know you're not wrong. Yeah. Uh, if it's now, maybe Tia Ballard. So, possibly. Mm, okay. But I'm not, I'm yeah. not like super, like, you know, stuck to that. I'm just throwing out her because I could kind of see... It work, so I can see it too. They might, yeah, they might be holding on to her for potential say you replacement. Ah. Yeah, which, which, by the way, just to bring this up, did at one point Chiaki sound like Tia Ballard to anyone else? A I think I can kind of see yeah. that. Yeah, a, a ring, a ring. Of Why it. do I feel like Tia had to substitute as Felicia one time? <laughs> I feel like Maybe. something might have happened. Because I was like, this isn't Felicia. This is Tia. Unless Felicia is doing a very good Tia impression. No, this has to be Tia. My mind does not work that well. What is this? <laughs> I might have to track this down. I need Caitlin Glass's Twitter now. <laughs> Hold on a second. Keep going. I'm sorry I can't brain today. I can't brain today. No. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> All right. Uh, do, do, do. Okay. Yep. Yeah, it's it's my turn. Um, I kind of had to think a little while on uh, like 
the young, spunky kind of character actors in Funimation's acting pool. And eventually, it ended up being basically a throw, put a bunch of pictures on a dartboard and, and <clears throat> see what I land on. And it ended up being terrible. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Hmm. I, I would imagine also, you know, like, like Lilac said, Jill Harris and like Sarah Whedon half. John Bennett. Yeah. <clears throat> probably even like um, even probably someone like Natalie Hoover would yeah. would have been somewhere in the in the ballpark of the vocal range I was looking for. But as it turns out, uh, none of us were actually correct on this one. <clears throat> we Keep fail surprise. so hardcore. Bum, bum, ba, uh, playing Sophie is Madeline Morris. Yeah. Who you would know, <clears throat> who you would know as Noriko Yamada in Alice in Zoroku, Chitanda in Hioka, Hotaru Hoshikawa in the second season of New Game, Bianca in Izetta the Last Witch, and Kasumi Ayase in DSRA. Hmm. So, um, why don't we get started? Thing? She's a thing. She does stuff. Um, child actor with a... Child actor. Actor cast into a child role with a voice that sounds suitably scared when, oh god, something's trying to eat my face, while also having the uh, cheerful exuberance when she's uh, browbeating sword into buying her uh, lunches. Uh, yeah, it, I recognize that kid heroes can be a real pain in the keister at times, but I was on board with this, and I found the uh, the only thing I cringed about was a little bit when she was in the Chinese restaurant, but we've already discussed the uncomfortable racism within this series, so I'll just say bad, bad, racism, bad, but carry on with the rest of the character. I think she's great. I... Uh, Madeline makes Sophie feel real. I'm done. Well, I I will kind of just on a side note say that 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 the uh, the scene you're talking about in the Chinese restaurant that was also basically mm-hmm. in the Japanese version. Oh so. no, and nothing to do with they're they're adapting what they have. It's just right. I I have to ch- waggle my finger and chai it and say. Dang nabbit guys, but hey, someone has to keep them from getting the, the internet hate comments on our podcast from exploding. Yeah, there you go. It'll be me, Silver Alchemist <laughs> and Defender of Justice. <laughs> I'm done. All right, who wants to be a second? I'm trying to track down if she could, if she revealed that Tia stepped in for. Alicia at then, one then, point. I can't find jack shit. Then I'll go next. Fuck. Uh, I think she sounded great. Uh, I thought Sophie had a lot of personality. I thought uh, she had a very teenage girl kind of, you know, um, like way way about her, which was great. And but it never came across as annoying. Like I never hated the character. I thought she was totally, like she was totally interesting, and her motivation was really sympathetic. Never came across as whiny or anything like that, and I think that's a really tricky thing 
when you're writing a teenage character is when you try to make them sympathetic and they may come across as just whiny or annoying and none of that was here and that was a really big strength I think to a lot of this dub just in general so yeah <laughs> okay um I think I have to give up. I'm not finding anything, and I'm in, like, mid-September right now <laughs> with her tweets. Yeah. Damn it. It sounds a lot like Tia. It probably is Tia. Damn it. Um, T- hashtag Tia uh, Gate. Where am I? <laughs> Tia Gate, yes. Where are my goddamn notes about Madeline? Uh, da, da, da. Um, oh, there's my note about Madeline. Possibly the best I have ever seen Madeline perform. Wow. Damn. And I know I, know I said that in Hyoka too. I was impressed with Chitanda too, but um, given that I like that the Matt, that Sophie here is spunky and precocious and nosy and just wants to know everything and she doesn't she has this I'm not gonna give up attitude. Madeline fits that so well. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. She plays the precocious little kid so well. And side note, can I just say, what up, Matt Shipman? What are you doing as Martin there, buddy? That's Matt <laughs> Shipman as her brother Martin, by the way. I was, <laughs> it's it's funny because I I I, I picked up on that, like, cause I what was it? I caught up on Junie Tyson last night before going to bed. And in the Gosick episode, if people remembers, I th- like the best way to equate Matt Shipman as a voice actor is like he sounds so much like Josh Greeley. It's not even funny. Here, here again, in June, when I caught up on Judy Tyson last night. <laughs> Dear sweet baby Jesus, I thought I was going nuts because that sounded so so much like Josh Greeley. It's not even funny. Mm-hmm. And then going in here as Martin. It also sounded like Josh Greeley's not even funny, but I digress. Um, Matt Shipman is a lot of fun, mm. as Martin just saying. But yeah, Madeline, I think she, I, like, the more I keep seeing her, the more and more I want to keep seeing her. Because she just keeps doing better and better and better with mm-hmm. each new role that she is given, and it is so much fun to see her. Um, I, I did not expect her as Sophie, though. I didn't expect yeah. her really to be in anything this season at all, possibly. And I feel ashamed for saying that now. But now I'm just like, okay, I know Madeline has some chops on her. Let's go. Let's go. You you do you, Madeline. I, I want to see you in more things now because you're just growing on me so much as a voice actress. It's great. All right, so I guess that rounds it off with me. All right, um, I I really do like her as Sophie. She, like everybody said, she she has that youthful spunk and precociousness. She likes getting into things. <clears throat> Doesn't mind getting a little dirt on her. <laughs> and like I said earlier in the episode, um, some of my favorite interactions are with. Um, <clears throat> With her and Chiaki. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Those, those were very funny. 
you know, where, where she gets kicked out of the restaurant, then she she comes back with, like, a buck so that she could get orange juice. Like, that's, that's, like, one of the cutest scenes in the show. Yeah, it really was. And then she's just sitting there, she's just sitting there waiting for Sora to show up. And then he, he, she ends up being his daughter. <laughs> yeah. Big brother sword. <laughs> I, actually, that, that is a good point. <clears throat> that, um, when she, she ends up starting to be sort of the little sister to, mm-hmm. to sword. That's a, Ooh. that is so adorable, by the way. And, and the dynamic is great. Especially since, you know, in the um, in the description of the series, and then a little a little into episodes seven and eight, you get little hints that Sword has his own sister that yeah. went missing. Yeah. Yep. It's a it's Garo tragic backstories. If you don't have one, you're not a protagonist. <laughs> it's kind. Of, it's interesting you bring that up because it's basically. Sophie and Sword are basically filling those spots of the older brother, younger sister mm-hmm. for each other. Right. They do. It's very interesting you say that. And you know, I'm I'm half expecting, like, by episode 18 or 19, oh, they were brother and sister all along. Sword is Martin. Wait, hold on. Bullshit. Wait, I call bullshit. Hold it. Call- that is, wait, wrong, wrong. Sword had a little brother, not a sister. Oh, you sure? Hold on. No, Sophie assumed it was a sister. Sword said it was a brother. Oh, huh. Okay. That's what it is. I was like, wait, that's not it. <laughs> yeah, because Sophie saw oh, okay. the picture that his brother mm-hmm. drew. So she assumed it was a little sister. But he's like, no, nah, it's my little brother. Okay. That's and feels were is. had. Older sibling, young, younger sibling, though. That's the relationship I'm thinking of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Sword gets siblings, and yeah, the, the the dynamic is lovable. I I really like her interactions with Gina. <clears throat> yeah, that's she, interesting. It's a mentorship. She also thing. gets she gets a lot of good interactions as well with um with Mayfon and Fei Long. <clears throat> Again, I'm curious about her interactions <laughs> with Luke though, because they've been very few right now. <laughs> yeah, they keep them few for a little while. Probably because yeah. reasons, mostly Luke reasons, but eventually he'll get over his emo phase. <laughs> eventually, once the meds kick in, it'll be good. <coughs> I'm choking Dr. on my Sneed orange juice. For... Oh no! Yeah, Doctor Sneed right. provides one good kick in the ass, and it will cure your kind alchemist of all his bullshit. That's the Doctor Sneed's guarantee. <laughs> nice. Okay, so we do. We actually are kind of running yeah. a little long at the moment, so let us get to our final character. Yay! Yes. The big, lovable doof himself, the Homer Simpson, the Fred Flintstone. He's a good boy! The ass-kicking ass good boy sword. Uh, good boy. He's a good boy. <laughs> he is a McElroy-level good boy. Yeah. He's a good boy oh. with an appreciation our for Our golden knight Garo. <laughs> he has such an appreciation for huge tracts of land. Uh, when I when I saw this character, I thought, okay, who 
made Spaceman Hardy the protagonist of this anime <laughs> because, okay, so built like a brick wall, all about them gains, all about, you know, showing off to them ladies and eating steaks and fries the right way. I swear, that steak was about as big as my torso, and he's chowing into that. I was oh, like, okay. Shit, yeah. I just made a realization. Oh, no, yes. what? He is anime Johnny Bravo. Oh, kinda, my God, you know. he is. But does he, he love is, his mom? He doesn't comb his hair. We don't Probably. know that. We haven't seen his mama, so I, I don't know. Probably. Probably. I bet you dollars to donuts, things lo Sword loves more than anything is sexy women, uh, steak, t uh, adorable kid sister characters, and he loves his mama because <laughs> Sword is the best. And yeah. Sword is a good boy. He's a good boy. <laughs> so, predictions. <laughs> yeah, this one's. This one was kind of a complicated cast reprisal, so I'm curious to see if anybody has actually any predictions. I do. Go for it. So, aside from complicated cast reprisal, because that was something to consider, I had two legitimate predictions. Um, both of which I went in a similar area of, like, gruff, m like, gruff, manly kind of characters. Because, again, while Sword is a good boy, he's also a goddamn meathead. <laughs> yeah. So... I went with a couple of actors who could pull that off. So my second choice was Jared Green. Oh, okay. Because Nambak is a thing that exists, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but my first choice, because Assassination Classroom is a thing that exists, and I still want to see this man get a leading role for once in his goddamn life. I know where you're going with this. Marcus Stemmick. Oh. Funimation, give Marcus Nimick a lead role. Please, can we? I know can the we, name, please? but I've forgotten what he's done. Um, Marcus, have you seen Assassination Classroom? No, I mean, I watched the Japanese dub, but I haven't watched the English dub. Shit, um... Some of it. God, what is something that Marcus has done that he would know, though? Well, I, I brought up Dragon and Pink, no, I don't know if that's no. something you've seen. Yeah, whatever, go on. But yeah, that's that. Mm. Aside from okay. interesting cast reprisal, say you match situation. Yeah. That's who yeah. I had for predictions. I would have, um, I would have right. probably predicted the most obvious choice, Patrick Sites. So I mean, you mm. wouldn't be yeah. wrong. <laughs> Set your sights yep. on that target. Uh yeah. Uh, I had a prediction here that was not playing with the cast thing so much, but just looking at the character design, hearing the voice in Japanese, and then switching over to who's in the Funimation stable, my thought, Brian Massey. I, yeah, that makes sense. You know what? Yeah. Okay. You know what? I like that Ta idea. I like it. I can totally see it. Okay. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, he's not hes not doing the good old, uh, you know, Lab Russo thing anymore. Not going to be quite so harsh. But, uh, while still being able to keep that deep baritone, he could, I, I think he could make it work. I, I could see this as there's a, there's a great moment in the dub that, uh, the guy actually casted an amazing job with him. He goes, let's dance. But I could have heard that easily in a Brian Massey voice. That would have been amazing. 
If it was Brian yeah. Massey. Yeah, what Brian Massey, I know you're, I know I you're like not your listening, idea. but I know I got you wrong, but I know who you are, and you're great. So. <laughs> so. Yeah. Love you, Brian. Wink. <laughs> you're, my fa- you're my favorite and- oolong. <laughs> God damn it. And yeah, my, uh, my prediction was basically the the Seiyu, <clears throat> Seiyu reprisal, which ended up being the correct choice because Ooh. playing sword is T Axelrod, who you would know as Ashia Domon in Garo Crimson Moon. He's Blanca in Street Fighter Cross oh. Tekken. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle in Black Butler Book of Murder. Oh yeah, I forgot he was Ar- a Con- Ar- Arthur in that. I forgot. <laughs> I'm trying not to laugh, but man. Yeah. Bessel Hawkins in One Piece. And Bortolo mm. in Tales of Zisteria the Cross. And the only England in Hitalia. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's not talk about that. Yeah. But yeah, with a name like T. Axelrod starring as a character named Sword, true. who is made of meat and manliness, yeah, yeah, that's good job, guys. Good job. Actually, Chef, um, yes. if we if we could <laughs> talk about England for a minute, I was at, I was genuinely surprised when I saw that it was T. Axelrod because I was like, wow, like this is this is so different. <laughs> so, but yeah. Well, I mean, the same could also be said when you when we're talking about Crimson Moon. Yeah. <laughs> Cause like, again, the the main reason why Axelrod is here to begin with is the whole Seiyu match. <laughs> it it's basically happened this entire fucking time, and it happened with Crimson Moon too. However, even though I say that, Axelrod plays such a good good boy. <laughs> He is, he he may not be, he's a talent you may not see or hear very often, but I think at the same time, this is exactly what this lead needed to be. You mm-hmm. don't need, for this lead, you don't need a huge name actor for one. You just need someone who can play the lovable doof. In this situation, we do have the whole say you match situation like thing going on here mm. but as I are but Axelrod plays such a lovable doof with a heart of yeah. gold and it's just absolutely amazing <laughs> well worth it like well like well totally done. worth it <laughs> like totally worth it it's uh I can't help but laugh like he he makes sword so much more enjoyable in the English. Like, he was enjoyable in the Japanese, but... Yeah, there's a there's a real warmth to a lot of his stuff that's just this sort of soft, hey, what's going on here? Yeah. Being completely out of his depth and too dense to notice the subtleties of what's going on. He could but... basically be your drinking buddy. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's your drinking buddy. That's the best way to describe it. And the described sword is that he's like your best friend, your drinking buddy. It's, it's, ugh, I love it. <laughs> and, he's really, and he's really tender too. Yeah. When he, he, he does the, he does the big brother thing. And mm-hmm. it's, it's so on note. You get that. I, 
I could have seen uh, Madeline and Axelrod in, in the same booth together and basically acting out the brother sister thing. Yeah, really, really it's on really point. adorable. It warmed my heart. Yeah, it's it's in a, it's it's fun moment. Like those are those fun moments because that's where you kind of also see Sword in a way kind of letting Sophie in. Instead mm-hmm. of this whole persona that he's been donning up until this point, where he's the ladies' man, the cocky, cocky guy who's who's um doing his duty, but you could see he's starting to let Sophie in, and that yeah. and that and those moments, those little more vulnerable moments, mm-hmm. are actually really really phenomenal yeah. to me. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, Axelrod, he done good. He's a good boy. He's a good sword boy. Yeah. <laughs> Not token Rambu sword boy, but he's a good sword boy. <laughs> Alright, uh, Black uh, Yeah, it all sounded really good. I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I like the fact that he had a tough guy voice without making it sound like an overly tough guy voice. Because it can be really easy. Yeah, I appreciate that It can that be too. really easy yeah. to do something like that. And something that I really appreciate about really good dubs is when they don't do that. Because that actually sets them apart yeah. from like how American cartoons tend to do that sort of thing. Not, <laughs> not trying to yeah, sound like an true. elitist here, but I appreciate that when English dubs do something like that. So, um... Yeah. Not being to sound yeah. like an elitist. <laughs> but you are. <laughs> That's okay. Because yeah. it's true. It, it is true. It is true. But, it is true. But yeah, um, it's it, it works really, really well. It's not too it's not too over the top, but it's it's not not tough enough sounding. <laughs> you know, it's it yeah. all it. It's not yeah, overbearing. It's, it's is what you're saying. Balanced very, very well to where it's believable, but it still has the personality that the character needs. So yeah, that's my thoughts. All right, yeah, I I largely have to agree with you guys. He's um, he's just the big lovable doof, and uh, T Axelrod is just, which is weird considering he's the bad guy of the previous show. Yeah, that's the interesting thing. Like, and. He's able to handle the script flip so well. And not to mention, you know, episodes 7 and 8 where he actually has to get serious. Like, really serious. And that that sort of stoicism that he's trying to keep... <clears throat> he, he's trying to keep it kind of swept under the rug until he absolutely needs it. It comes out and... It's totally believable that this could be the same character. So yeah, I I just love that guy. I, I just wanna just wanna sit down with him in the diner and eat a big steak. Again, he's your drinking or buddy. Or tacos. Mm. Or tacos, yes. I could go for tacos. Tacos sounds delicious right now. <laughs> I think All right. Why don't we, Shall we break we, for tacos? I was about to say, can we finish and then go get some tacos? Yeah, sure. Yeah. 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 
It that's killing it. demons works up an appetite. Horrors. <laughs> She'll and be now up for that. it's time for final thoughts. Where we wrap up our thoughts on the series. Yay. This show is so good it will make you eat an entire cow, do 50 push-ups, and then punch a demon to death with your bare hands. <laughs> so basically turn into One Punch Man? Exactly, yeah. Turn into Saitama? <laughs> the thing is, is that this is a, from yeah, what I've like... seen, this has been a pretty strong season for anime. Like... Yeah. Um, ancient Ma Ancient Mage's Bride, um, that, that, um, that MMO, like, one is supposed to be really good. I'm actually thinking yeah. about checking out that one because it's adorable. Watch yeah, it. Yeah, because I'm it, told it's it. really cute and it's a good romance story. So I haven't, I haven't touched it only because I have too many fucking shows, and I can actually now say this. I'm like, God damn it, Cliff! Why are you directing things? I have high expectations. Do I have to go and watch this now? I have too much shit to do. <laughs> I have no time. Like I, I started it, but it gets. Really but yeah, this has real. been like a really strong season for anime and Black Clover. Um, but and <laughs> Black Clover. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and Garo is kind of it's kind of tops. Like it's I it's probably not as like intelligently written as Ancient Magus Bride, but it's it's what no. you want, you know, when you want to watch an action anime. So it's pulp. Yeah. It's the big sirloin a lot steak in yeah. the fall season. And it's it's doing it really well. You don't feel like you're being insulted. The characters are actually really engaging and the animation is really good. It's it's what Mappa is really good at. So So, so And how do you feel about rocking. the dub? The dub is great. The dub stands like the dub the dub helps the anime honestly in my opinion because this is something that English dubs are actually just really really good at when when there's kind of a when there's kind of a western setting dubs tend to thrive in that sort of environment so yeah. and mm -hmm. this is no exception so especially not funimation they're great at that sort of thing so mm. yeah that and i mean no 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 i was going to say that's it for me so oh okay well i mean Disappointment with Caitlin Glass and Vic Mignogna over the character of Fei Long aside. Yes. It's a really, probably one of the more solid dubs of the season. And this is a season of incredibly strong dubs. Even Black yeah. Clovers. <laughs> I'll say even Black <laughs> Clover. <laughs> yeah. And uh, on the issue, particularly kudos on Caitlin Glass for casting Ali Mims and Christopher Dontrell Piper as Enith and Hardy, respectively. Yeah, you get some fresh uh, yeah. faces in some places here, and that's very interesting, and I do like that. And it gets more talent into the pool, and, like, th these are promising talent, too. And then, I like, mean, uh, who else we got? We have... Fuck, um... Shout-out to Matt Holmes as Nero. Mm -hmm. Uh, let's see... Wendy Paul makes an appearance here too. Uh, da, da, da. Yeah, she was creepy lady, right? She was Viola. Yeah, yeah. yeah. the yeah. creepy, the creepy educator. Not lady. Oprah. No, not Oprah. Um, Oprah's not creepy. Freaking in here, that was new. Garrett Storm and Chris Guerrero as the first horror. That was insane. 
No, there mm-hmm. was one I was trying to find before that I was looking on her timeline, like her Twitter timeline earlier. Um, who the fuck am I looking for? Ooh, another new name. Uh, Camille Monet, who was um, Sophie's friend. That's who I was looking for, actually. Orphanage. That's the exact okay. person I was looking for. Thank you for bringing up that name. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah, I had a, to pull it up on ANN. There's a lot but... of fresh talent in here. Like, potentially. And a lot of these are just one-off side characters, too. Mm -hmm. But they do have an episode or so to shine. So it's not like they're being wasted here. Oh, shoot. Oh, okay. Um, So remember that that thing I mentioned when we were bringing up Caitlin Glass? That that clip where everybody was speaking different languages? Yeah. (laughs) The guy speaking Korean? Okay. That was Sun Won Cho. The... the director? Who is that? Uh, no, he's, um... He did a whole bunch of really cool Vine videos, anime-related. Oh! oh him. And now he's a YouTuber. Yeah, the, uh, the... Oh! Yeah, like, I'm gonna kick your that ass. That guy! I did... Sorry, I said ass. I don't mean to be crass. That guy, right? Yeah, okay. Yeah, Okay, yeah. that's awesome! Yeah, Pro-ZD, that's it, right? Yeah, ProCD. That is awesome. I didn't know that. I was going to say, because this was directed by a Korean, wasn't it? So. Yeah, yeah, the show itself. Um, Fun fact, it is the episode director of episode 18 of the original Mm. series. Is he a a Japanese native or does he work in Korea? I I don't know, but... um, he was basically responsible for the best sword fight in nice. the entire series. Ooh, yeah. But I think it's cool that Japan is now having, like, Korean directors and stuff like that. Because Korea is doing some things that Japan can't even do with animation. Again, yeah, look true. at Voltron. Yeah. Honestly, Voltron has some of the best fights. Yeah. Like, so. Yeah. No, right. but bottom line, these fresh faces that we're seeing come up right now, I'm excited. Yeah. yeah. Like, I know we didn't really talk about any of them because they're really only one off at one off one episode characters, but I'm excited to see what the future holds for for these new fresh faces. And I mean, yeah. even this, even if this ends up being the only anime roles that they're mm-hmm. in, they're, it, it, it's really nice. Yeah. It gives us a good taste. And at best, this could become like the Grimgar Ashes of Fantasy. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I think the show is so much fun because, again, going back to the beginning, every iteration of the Gar anime has been so different from each other. Like they have their own, they have their own story that's very inclusive. Doesn't pour into the other series, which is awesome. So you don't have to have needed to see like the previous one to really get it. Which is very helpful, because I have not seen all of... I have not watched all of Garo Crimson Moon. <laughs> so, I'm very glad Nor that... I'm very don't, glad I didn't don't. have to see it as a requirement for this one. But I probably, it's, unfortunately, it's will not have like to go back to it's Garo okay Crimson to Moon. So, I know, no. right? But I'm, If you really want to be a Garo completionist, watch the live-action tokusatsu show from I season know, one right? to three and Red Red. I know, I still have and to do that. Actually, actually, you can. Actually, yeah, I recommend that. You can do that because Sentai has yeah. it on home video, which is amazing. But, nice. Yeah, but anyway. Um, 
this the dub itself is everything I had hoped it to be. It's very solid. Aside from my tiny nitpicks in the writing, because pet peeves are a thing that exists yeah. for me, and then again, I can't, I can't, I can't fake full judgment on Vic because I haven't heard enough of him to make full, full judgment on his performance. Aside from those two things right there, I think it's great. It's a phenomenal show. There are some performances I have to grow into a bit. There are some that are just perfect right now. And then there are others that are just so lovable and doofy <laughs> that I just want to just have a beer with this person. <laughs> but yes. um, I'm so I'm so happy that Caitlin, even though it's a lot, it's a lot, a lot of work because she's do pulling double duty this season, similar to couple other content directors again you bastards are crazy i don't know how you where how when you get your sleep god um i'm glad that caitlin decided to come back and direct this show because there is no other person who could handle this show or this franchise as well as caitlin mm -hmm. can so this is a great great dub i'm i'm happy i need to go catch up on the recent episodes now though because <laughs> i'm still yeah, i'm still two Megastride. episodes behind I, i'm i'm two episodes behind on on the sh on the english dub of the show because i once i start watching the dub i just stick to that because i don't have time mm -hmm. to watch both versions so that's how i do things but yeah this is it it's a very solid dub despite my minor nitpicks about the writing but i love it it's it's so so well done Alright, um, are we all so. set? Are, the night is still young and there are many horrors oh, left is. to slay. <laughs> yes, and those horrors I have to currently slay are those two episodes I gotta catch up on, so <laughs> let's go! Alright. And my horror's yeah, right. my bed. Because <laughs> I'm all right. tired. I have the so I have tomorrow off! Woohoo! Nice. nice. So where can we find everyone? Well, first of all, where all can right. we see the show? So you can find Garo Vanishing Line, uh, subbed via Crunchyroll, and dubbed via Funimation Now. And there is also the option of watching both sub and dub via the Verve subscription service, which uses both uh, Crunchyroll and Funimation. But um, if you'd like to find us, Dub Talk Podcast, um, you can do so at YouTube.com slash dub talk podcast <clears throat> and we also have a twitter account at dub talk podcast so um where can we find all you fine folks when i'm not traveling the night hunting the horrors with my silver makai sniper rifle you can find me on twitter at uncle azrael where i post witticisms art history and all sorts of fun, enlightening things for people like you. All right. Well, you can find me at twitter.com at like the watcher. You can find me on Tumblr at like the watcher and YouTube at like the watcher. I also have a Facebook page, Liam AC, that I don't really do much with anymore. And uh, yeah, that's about it. So. And my name is Stephanie, also known as Lilac on some occasions. 
Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Lilac Anime Review. Review being spelled R-E-V-U-E. Uh, where essentially I just post about my daily life and the struggles. The struggles are real, guys. Um, but the other big thing is probably if the release schedule I made recently is accurate. Um, the, uh, the I know the big thing is the voting for uh, the W Awards has probably ended by this point. If the release schedule I made for this is accurate. Um, so if that's the case, thank you guys for voting in that. And we will reveal the winners of the Viewer's Choice Awards uh, at the end of January. So stay tuned for that. Alright, well then, you can find me, Roots of Justice, on the Twitter.com at Roots of Justice. Um, I mostly just retweet pictures of cute animals. I, I sometimes talk about other stuff. And on occasion, I'll also pop into the Funimation Discord. <clears throat> it's all good times. You and your tinfoil hat and all. I actually haven't been wearing the tinfoil hat as much as I used to. Damn, you're mm -hmm. right, actually. I, I realized that. No, you haven't, then. But, um, from us at Dub Talk, we would wish, we'd like to wish you a good evening. And otaku on the daba. Gara! Get out of everybody. <laughs> 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 I like the dramatic Gara! Yeah. <laughs> Rasulan Kalah